All right, guys, so here's the deal. This next episode, I have a special guest on. By far, I'm not going to lie to y'all, this is one of the best episodes that I've done. Uh, We talk about a lot of really deep subjects uh, and share stories and experiences with each other. And I just want everybody to know that having Josh on this show was really a... uh, a special treat and I hope that every one of you listen to the show and you're able to take something from Josh's story from my story and just our overall conversation we both went into the show you know I made it real clear that everybody that comes on the third alarm cowboys podcast I want them to know that basically the way that you know we talk at a kitchen table in a firehouse that's exactly how I want the feeling to be of being on this podcast. And that's exactly what we got from this conversation. Guys, uh, go follow Josh. He's the founder and really one of the, the more well-known people that's traveling across the country talking about leadership. And that all comes from his book that he's most well-known for, which is jump seat leadership, informal guide to being a leader guys. He's a military vet. He's a family man. And after getting to know him, getting to talk to him and learning his story and all the, all the details of the things that he's been through, I'm truly blown away by the individual that he is. So all of you really just listen, take the time to listen to this show, take the time to understand the things that we're talking about on a deep level, apply it to your life in the best way that you possibly can. All right, guys, enjoy the show. This is one of our newest show sponsors. This is a business that was started by Chief Dave Robertson and really what it all came down to is he knows that getting a fire job or getting promoted for the first time is incredibly hard. It's always a long process. It can be frustrating and it's it's really incredibly challenging. What's even more challenging is that when you know that you always wanted to be a firefighter and that you would make a great firefighter or even more so being a great officer or chief and you just feel like no one will look at your resume or nobody will even give you a chance or take you serious for that promotion. So Chief Dave works really closely with you know, creating just a team of two, the two of y'all. He's all about giving you the commitment that's unmatched towards achieving your, your career goals and exactly what you want to do. He will mentor and coach you to help you become the kind of candidate that these fire departments are all looking for and they can't miss. Chief Dave from fire edge he comes with 25 years of fire service experience guys go listen to the episode that i had him on the show he talks all about it he's been there and done that and actually earned his stripes in this business on the business side he's got thousands of hours of coaching and training leading consulting recruiting building hiring processes you know you name it and he's done it Chief Dave just talking to him, he's all about the one-on-one connection. He's all about customer service, and he really genuinely does care about the fire service as a whole and the next generation of guys that we're bringing into this business for a 30-year career. That all leads to having a strong passion with what you're doing and who you're working with. That's the 100% commitment that Chief Dave has given to me uh, with the Third Alarm Cowboys and what he's given to every single one of you out there across this nation and in Canada that are wanting to get involved in the fire service and are wanting to make that next step. Truly, it doesn't matter if you are just a recruit that's aspiring to get a fire career job or you're a company officer that's wanting to become a chief or a chief officer that's wanting to move any high, even higher. 
what you got to do is figure out your why and find your passion that makes you truly love this job. And that's what Chief Dave Robertson is doing with Fire Edge. So, guys, give him a chance. Go look him up. Give him a phone call. He's putting his personal number out there for the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast listeners to give him a call and get your fire career either started and going or moving in the direction in which you want to do. So give Dave a call at 519-384-3072. And that's Fire Edge Career Coaching, Training, and Consulting. Y'all go give him a chance. Go get to know him. He's a great guy. Go listen to the podcast episode that I had him on. That's Chief Dave Robertson. Hey, guys, I'm going to take a second and tell you all about First Line Fire Service Training. It's a badass page on Facebook. I encourage every single one of you to go and follow them. Dennis is a retired fire chief. He's been a huge supporter of our show for since the very beginning. He's believed in Third Alarm Cowboys and our mission of making firefighters better. Dennis also has the same mission of being able to train firefighters, make them better. He's using all of his years of experience of 20-plus years plus his military background to offer training ideas. He travels all around the country speaking at different conferences, trying to help guys get better when it comes to their tactical ability, when it comes to their physical ability, and everything in between. He's really pushing things to the limits, especially for an older guy that's retired. He's still getting up every single day putting his gear on, going out in the driveway, doing crazy-ass workouts that most of us couldn't even handle. He's still getting out there getting it done. He also does a weekly training video on first-line fire service training, offering up when every type of uh, tactical and operational skills that he's learned throughout his career through working from other people. One thing that's really impressive to me about Dennis is that he – owns the fact that most of the things that he has learned and sharing are things that he learned from other people when he's just passing that on. That's something that he and I have in common. He's taking all the information he took from his career and sharing it on to the next generation to make the next generation solid and better firefighters. That's a great mentality to have. He's the kind of guy that people should be listening to when it comes to learning about what to do in the fire service with their career, with their tactics, and with their operations. So y'all go check them out on Facebook, First Line Fire Service Training, LLC. Send Dennis a message that you heard about his business from our show. If you're putting on any kind of training conference, Dennis is the guy that you need to contact. Get him in the door and let him share his knowledge to make the people in your area that are attending the conference better. And just know that... I support his business, and he supports mine, and that's the kind of people that we need in the fire service to make us all better and stronger. I'm going to also take a second to tell you all about one of our show sponsors. That's Norse Fire Equipment out of North Dakota. Whenever I first started talking about having sponsors for the show, I really wanted it to be genuine businesses that are firefighter-owned and operated and people that have good business ethics and have a good mission. Matt Vercota reached out to me from Norse Fire Equipment. He and I have spoken and, and talked back and forth a little bit, got to know each other, and he seems to have fit that criteria. He's a full-time firefighter and founded this company in 2020 to provide a good place for firefighters to be able to get equipment that they needed to be able to do their job and have it at a good price and just good quality equipment instead of some of these places that want to sell you real cheap crap. For Y'all go over to norsefireequipment.com coupon code cowboy five that'll get you five percent off on your online orders all right guys on with the show
attach to all units. This is a third alarm. Switch to the TAC channel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TAC channel. I'm your host, Heath Meredith. This is the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast. This is a podcast for firefighters. We talk about real-life situations, stuff in your station like leadership and promotions, and stuff in your personal life like relationships and finances. You name it, we talk about it. Some things may be a little controversial, but that's real life, and that's what we're going to talk about on this show. Guys, I'm going to jump straight into it today. Um, normally, I would give a little introduction and talk about what's been going on and all that, but bottom line is, is I'm absolutely stoked. We have a guest on the show today. Uh, he and I have been going back and forth for a little while trying to get schedules lined up and all that good stuff to uh, be able to to make this show happen for y'all. But um, I'm going to go ahead and bring him on so we can get straight to it. Guys, welcome from Jump Seat Leadership, Josh Chase. Yeah, man, I'm excited. It's uh, like you said, we were going back and forth trying to get these schedules to work. And uh, I've been taking a look at what you're doing, and it's, it's pretty cool. I love the fact that you're honestly real, authentic, and you're not scared to say what people need to hear. So I'm excited to get into it today. It's going to be a good show. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. Uh... To be perfectly frank, man, I get that a lot. You know, uh, like we talked yeah. about before we started recording, I I know there's a ton of guys out there that are doing the leadership stuff and doing the tactics stuff, and I know, you know, that's kind of a little bit of the realm that you hit with, uh, you know, your books and all that, and I think you're putting out some amazing content. I mean, I've listened to several of your shows. I've listened to you as a guest on a couple shows, uh, and, and I think you're doing a great job. And basically what, uh, for the listeners, what kind of made this show happen is we got called out. I, I honestly don't even remember if it was one of your posts or something, but basically marriage and the fire service kind of got brought up and yeah, uh, I made a comment on it or whatever. And then we just kind of took off from there uh, where guys were like, Hey, y'all need to do a show. And we're like, hell yeah, let's do it. So yeah. uh, <laughs> here we are. Um, but I, I'll let you, uh, you know, a lot of the listeners I'm sure, have have heard of you or are already following you or whatever guys if, if you're not you need to go to uh, jump seat leadership on facebook go ahead and follow follow josh he's putting out some great stuff uh for informal leadership of really being uh able and and understanding that you don't have to have bugles to be a leader in your station you don't have to have bugles to to make a difference and i think that that is absolutely uh great information and stuff that guys need to yeah. realize I'm gonna put you on the spot, man. You know, kind of, kind of give us a, a little rundown of what it all it is that you that you do. I know that you served in the military, uh, and you've been in the fire service. You got me beat. Uh, you've been in the fire service what, like, eight, uh, 17, 18 years, something like that. Yeah, it's going on nineteen years, man. It goes by so fast. It's not even funny. Awesome. Yeah, it really uh, does. It really does. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, my name's Josh Chase. Um, I do the jump seat leadership stuff, and we're going to get into a little bit of that today. I've been a fire lieutenant for about four years now, and uh, before that, I rode in the jump seat for 15 years. Before that, really. So, going on 19 years. Uh, love what I do. Uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, I got a passion for leadership. I mean, my main passion, you know because I believe passion and purpose goes beyond the fire service is honestly just strengthening, encouraging and empowering men as a whole to live a life of purpose. But done some cool stuff in the fire department. I uh, was raised under a really good crew, got a good foundation of the job. I would say I'm the most basic fireman there is. I believe that getting really good at the basics, that's the only thing that makes you advanced. I don't think there's a such thing as advanced firefighting, but you can argue with me. You can send me an email. I'll probably delete it, but it's cool. 
Um, you know, I, I've written a couple of books. You know, my my most uh, I guess known book right now is Jump Seat Leadership: The Guide to Informal Leadership in the Fire Service. And I just released a new book, which we're kind of kind of going to get into some stuff today that relates to it, called Engage the Enemy, uh, Fight for Your Purpose. And this is really a personal look at my life as a young fireman, as a military vet, some personal uh, mental health challenges, marriage challenges, and we'll get into all that today. I mean, like Heath said, um, you know, I'm a leadership guy, and that's cool, but, you know, we kind of got talking a little bit before the podcast. If you're not leading at home, if you're not leading your marriage, if you're not leading your kids, if you're not leading your family, and you think you're a badass leader in the fire department, I got news for you, my friend. You are not a good leader. Um, you are letting your priorities go to the side as you go after dreams and purposes and visions and all that stuff as your family just sits in the wake. And I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I'm not telling you you're doing anything wrong per se. I know what I did and I know what I've done and I know what I've done to recover and it works. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into all that. I'm, I'm married, got three kids. Um, they're all older now, so I'm not as nearly as cool as I used to be. And, uh, <laughs> man, just yeah, through my military service fire department life honestly if i've been through it i want to talk about it because i didn't have people in my life when i was growing up in the fire service that were really mentoring me and showing me how to do things right um i had a couple people and i'm still thankful for those people and i was too hard-headed to listen but i'm more hung out with the crowd of people that honestly just were okay with me just being happy and uh I almost wrecked my marriage and family, but we're going to get into that today. But no, seriously, I appreciate you having me on the show. It's, I think it's going to be a good show. It's going to impact a lot of people. Hell yeah, uh, for sure, man. Absolutely. And I, I'll go ahead and, and jump in on that as well. Guys, the stuff that we're going to talk about, I mean, as you all know, the things I talk about on this show is 100% lessons learned from shit that I've been through, my crew's been through. You know, this I'm not I'm not stealing stories and and telling shit. These are hard lessons learned either by myself or people on my crew or things that we've been through, no matter what subject it is that we're talking about. And today's is, is it's going to hurt some feelings to this subject today is going to be a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. Um, but the reality is, is Josh and I have both been down this road and we, I had senior guys that some taught me or were trying to teach me to do the right thing. And some were setting an example to do the wrong thing. Uh, sure. And the reality is, is, is most of the time I was choosing either the more fun route or what I thought was going to benefit myself the most. And I left a lot of things in my, in my wake that ended up drowning. Um, yeah. And I think that that's pretty well the same for you. Uh, and so our yeah, mission, 100%. our mission for this show is to let these younger guys and stuff or, you know, younger to the fire service or whatever. Basically we want to be the mentors to, to some guys that need to hear these things that could either potentially, you know, help them in future relationships or save relationships that they're currently in, whether it's with their kids, whether it's with their, their spouse, uh, whatever it is, uh, guys just know that we're not, we're not attacking anybody, but we are going to gut check some people. So yeah, I'll just jump straight into it, man. You know, I'm, I'm married, very happily married. I've got five kids, uh, five daughters at that, uh, ranging from uh, mid-teens all the way down to almost a, almost a year old. Uh, she's 11 months old. So uh, there's a lot of things about um, my parenting that I missed out in my younger years. Um, I was married before. I went through pretty nasty divorce. Uh, and just everything that goes along with that. 
And the reality to it is, is most of the things that I would say that I regret um, went hand in hand with the choices that I made in my fire service career. I chose the bugles. I chose the uh, focusing on promoting and chasing down every certification that I could get and getting all the experience that I could get, making the fires that I could make by working multiple jobs and all that stuff. I chose all that over being engaged as a dad, over um, being engaged in my home life period for several, several years. Uh, and the reality to that is, is there's consequences to those actions. And then now, you know, lawyer fees are a consequence. Uh, having <laughs> having to uh, share a kid and only getting to see your kid 50% of the time is a consequence. Uh, and that's just the reality. So uh, I don't want to take up all the time on the mic, but I, I just want people to understand like this – this stuff that we're we're discussing on here is, is real life shit that that uh, we we are having to deal with, and we want to try to help other folks to not have to <laughs> potentially see the same consequences that we have. So yeah, um, yeah, I think that's that's cool. Like what what you just said, and I I got to be honest, I appreciate the fact that like you're like, hey, I made some mistakes, and I'm owning them. And and I'll be honest, a lot of people don't do that. We think they do, and we think that's normal because. You know, you're doing that. Maybe I'm doing that. And we weren't always there. You just said it. Like, we both made a lot of mistakes. But I think one of the biggest things is ownership. And you just said, like, hey, I made these decisions. Now I'm living in the consequences. I'm making the best of them. I live a good life. But there's still consequences. Mm-hmm. And, and I think early on, you know, you're young. You don't realize that there's these consequences. So it's you're not out here making decisions because they're fun. Mm-hmm. And But you can be happily married, raise kids and be an awesome fireman and still have fun. You can actually do it all. Mm. And I I was terrible at balance, you know, like we've talked a little bit, like you were terrible at balance, obviously. Um, (laughs) yeah, for for me, it it didn't help. Like I, I went, I, you know, I joined the military young, I got in the fire department and, um, I literally got deployed halfway through the Academy. So get deployed, come back. I just gotten married to my high school sweetheart. Like, we're going to make this work. We had a baby. We were 18, refused to be a statistic. So like, but it wasn't looking good for us from the beginning, baby at 18, trying to make our, mar- you know, our relationship work. We get married. I get in the fire department, always wanted to help people. Then I get deployed to Iraq. So right in the, right when we get married, right before I leave, I find out we're pregnant. I'm gone in Iraq for 18 months total. Um, you know, by, by the time we trained up with the Marine Corps, um, I was an army attached to the Marines. By the time we trained up with the Marines, boots on ground and came home, it was like right at 17, 18 months. So it was just a long time. Um, and you can imagine you're away from your family for that long. You talk about not being connected when you get home, Yeah. you know, it's, uh, yeah, you know, the army likes to send people away for long periods of time. I don't know what they're doing now, but back then that was 2005. And nobody was really talking about mental health. Nobody was talking about PTSD, PTS, whatever you want to call it. Nobody was really talking about it. But everybody was coming home with it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so really got back. And it's like you said, I got back and I was looking for that camaraderie that I had while I was deployed. I had already been in the fire department. They held my job while I was gone. Man, I jumped right in the fire department full force when I got back. Marriage was hard. You know, kids were hard. Everything was hard. So I poured everything I had in the fire department. And I was like, well, I'm just going to be a good fireman. This is what's familiar. 
So I'll just do this. Any intimate connection, I'll just kick to the curb because I don't really know how to do that anymore. And I didn't know how to get help. Even though people were offering it, I didn't really think I needed it. I would just, like my mom was a great example. I got back from war and she'd ask me all the time, like, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, mom, this is just a soldier's life. This is just a sacrifice that I made, which is complete bullshit. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I'm sacrificing a happy life for myself and my wife and my kids, you know? So I really, honestly, just continue down that road and further and further away from my family. I can remember when I first got back from my deployment, my wife had just asked me to install some blinds and a simple task, you know, and my son who was born while I was gone is at my feet, you know, tugging at my feet. He's nine months old. He's crying. I'm trying to install these blinds. And I remember just staring at him. Like I've lost. I'm like, I don't do I What do I do? Do I pick him up? Do I install the blinds? Like I have no idea what to do right now. Two weeks ago, I was flying around in a helicopter behind a gun. And now I'm installing blinds and my son's crying. And I got to return to the fire department in a month. So you talk about being messed up, mm. you know. And uh, it was pride, ego. I don't want to get any help. I really honestly thought that's how you live. Real People really were not talking about mental health when I got home. And honestly, I had missed my family so much. I think I was just excited to see them. And my wife is the same. She was just excited to see me. And we were going to figure it out. But we were going to figure it out until we didn't, right? So mm-hmm. I got home in 2000, 2007. Nothing really got better. We didn't have a terrible marriage, or we didn't have a good marriage. We were just we were winging it, trying to make it work. And, dude, it was fucking hard. I mean, I worked at a busy engine company. We rode the ambulance for 12 hours, rode the engine for 12 hours. I'm not lying. We are running 20 to 24, 25 calls in a 24-hour shift. It was just busy where I was at. <laughs> um, great for the job. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, I, oh, dude, I learned, I learned a lot about the fire department, how to fight fire, how to work with a crew, teamwork, gunshots, stabbing, sick people. I mean, I learned to be a fireman while sacrificing being a good husband, being a good father, tackling my mental health issues. Um, you know, and then five years after I got home from my deployment, you know, I ended up being separated, but that didn't come without small compromises up in that five years, right? Right. Like yeah. the small compromises were like hanging out with the single people. I wasn't single; I was married with three kids. But now I'm hanging out with single guys who are getting in trouble, and I'm deciding to hang out with them. And then, you know, I wasn't really doing intimate connections at the time, you know, with my wife. So I ended up getting wrapped up with other women, uh, infidelity, like dude, a, a whole freaking mess. And in 2012 got caught hanging out with another woman, everything broke loose. And I realized like, wait, what am I doing? You know, like I'm going to completely ruin my marriage. And I think that's kind of how we even got it, you know, got into this on Facebook. I think you posted something. I commented like, Hey, if you want to talk to a guy and you were like, yeah, let's do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Know, like, yeah. I mean, I, I pretty much single handedly almost ruined my marriage and, I'm like, I'm leading the ship, right? So the ship goes down. It's my fault. And I'm taking everybody down with me, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, yeah. And you got, I, I was, you got kids in the, in the mix of this. I mean, it's right. Three young kids, you know, at that point, like we had another kid, like, so I'm married, three kids in the fire department, struggling with mental health issues from, you know, the war, struggling with mental health in the fire department at this point, cause I'm back from war, jump in the fire department. You know, this job isn't good for PTS or PTSD either if you don't deal with stuff, you know, so sleep deprivation, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you name it, I was going through it, drinking. The only thing I didn't do is drugs, 
which alcohol is technically a drug, but I think, you know, I wasn't, up, I wasn't up here like playing Tony Montana, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> snoring, snoring pounds of cocaine. Like I've never <laughs> done, I never got into hard drugs, but I, I was, man, if I was drinking, I was drinking heavy, just trying to bury everything. But, you know, yeah, 2012, March, 2012, I walked out of my family and I was, uh, I went to live with another woman and I never planned on coming back. I really didn't. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm, they're better off without me. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. After about six months of living like an idiot, um, I'm a faith guy deep down. I've, you know, I've always known there was a God, all that kind of stuff. And I felt like I was, I never really fought for my marriage, never really trusted God. So learned to trust God, fought for my marriage, got my family back. But you want to talk about the mistakes and the consequences and the stuff I had to go through to get my family back. Um, man. And I know we're, we're, we're probably going to get into this stuff. I had a lot of information in the past, like three minutes there. But <laughs> no, it's all good. <clears throat> it, it's a cliff notes version of, man, I really, I almost wrecked my entire family. And, uh, but yeah, we, we can keep talking, but yeah, but that's the cliff notes, you know? No, and that's I, – I mean, I think guys need to hear that because there's going to be something about that entire story that's going to click with uh, with somebody. I mean, there's one piece yeah. of that that every single one of us has done. I mean, right. you know, you might not have done – like I didn't have – I don't have the prior military service, but all the rest of that, I pretty much did it. I mean, that's right. <laughs> uh, that time period leading up to, to whenever – I got divorced and all that stuff. I mean, I was on an apparatus. We were, I was at a hot station. We were running. I mean, I was on an ambulance back then, but I mean, it was a normal day. It was 20, 22 calls. Uh, and you're, you're running your ass off. And then to be totally transparent, my financial situation, because prior to, uh, going full time in the fire service, I worked in the oil field. So I made really good money and I had really big bills. And 2012, when my daughter was born, uh, I was I was roughnecking out in West Texas, and basically it got to the point the company that I worked for was so short staffed, uh, you know, about like where the fire service is today. Um, you know, they would call you, and we worked we worked two weeks on, two weeks off, and I, I was really blessed that basically I was able to be a fireman at that time as well because what I was doing is my 14 days off the department that I worked for said that if I worked 10 days a month, then I was considered full time. Uh, and they kind of went off, uh, their scheduling was more or less like an availability status. It it was, it was a duty crew job is what it was. So I would work 10 of my 14 days, uh, at the fire station. So I was a full time firefighter, but I was also being able to go off and and make good money. And and it provided a a lifestyle and and a lot of habits and stuff. You talk about the drinking and all that. I mean, I did absolutely, I wish I, I wish I could have about half of the money back that I spent on booze. I do. I say that all the time. I don't even want to see the amount of money I spent. I don't even want to see it. Well, I could tell you because throughout my uh, divorce process, my ex-wife, I'm not going to say threw it in my face, but she kindly pointed out uh, the fact that that I basically at that point in time had about a fifteen hundred dollar a month alcohol habit for personal consumption. Oh my gosh! Um, yeah, I was uh, I was pretty pretty big on drinking Crown Black, uh, and it wasn't shit yeah. for me to drink about a about a case of a half gallon bottles a week. Um, yeah, I was, that's crazy. Yeah, and I, I'm not I'm not saying oh my gosh because I'm judging you. I'm saying oh my gosh because. I probably spent about the same amount. I don't want to hear that number. Oh yeah, you know? no, it's it's sickening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, yeah. man, if I had that, I'd uh, I'd have a mansion built right now. But um, oh geez, <laughs> yeah, and and so I, 
I did that, and basically what it all ended up coming down to was uh, the oil field was was on the decline. Twenty twelve, you know, there was uh, political climate was not good for for the oil field, and uh, I saw kind of the writing on the wall, and it got to the point where. The company I was working for was short-staffed, and they would hold you over. And, you know, the fire department, we get held over. It's a 12- or a 24-hour period. In the oil field, you get hold over, and it's a week. Uh, and so I was I was getting to the point where it wasn't shit for my company to hold us over. We'd work 90 days straight, get to come home four or five days. They're already calling you back and all that. So my daughter, about the first six months of her life, I was pretty much gone. Uh, and we started I, – I was realizing that things were not – not good just for on the fatherhood aspect. Uh, right. And so anyways, I ended up coming home and we took a, a huge uh, kick to the teeth on our finances. I mean, I lost some shit to the repo man type stuff and uh, well, they didn't have to come get it, but I took vehicles back to the bank, dropped it off at the bank, gave them the keys that I can't pay for it type shit. Um, Cause I wasn't going to try to play the hide game. I just took it to them said, I can't, I can't pay the bills. So, um, did that, but basically what it come down to is when you go from making $130,000, $140,000 a year back down to riding an ambulance full-time and then working a duty crew job, and you know the area of Texas I live in does not pay very well for the fire service. So, I mean, I was making like 32000 a year as a fireman at that point. And so what that means is a shitload of overtime. So, yeah, I'm working on my truck, but then I'm also working overtime, working a second job, and I started in on that whole deal, working two full-time fire jobs for – years on end where you work uh 24 here leave go do another 24 and then you're only off for 24 uh and on a busy apparatus like you were talking about i mean i'm running 20 22 calls a day are normal and then it's great for experience like you said you know i, I tease all the oh, time yeah. and I, I talk all the time about all these guys that throw up well i got such such years in okay well that's great but during those years, did you work at a hot house? Did you do, you know, what were you, I just did a recent show talking about exposure versus experience. And Oh God, that's huge. And yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty drastic difference. Cause yeah, you can have years of experience, but what were you exposed to? So, um, right. you know, during that time I was getting exposed to a shitload. Uh, but even though I was home, I mean, I was an hour down the road from the house. I was still never home. And you know, my, my ex would bring, uh, bring the kids by whatever. And, and we'd have dinner at the station. I did Santa and, uh, Santa came to the fire station a lot, uh, for years on end. Uh, that right. was just, it was just all part of it. Did all that stuff. And, uh, basically what it came down to is I was home, but I was still never home. And it just finally all hit a wall. Absolutely. Every yep. single bit of it hit a wall. I mean, we had the big, nice house. I was at that point I had promoted, um, promoted up to captain. I, at that, the time of my divorce, I was actually a, a captain at full two full-time jobs, um, promoted at both departments, making good money, got brand new vehicles, uh, you know, all, all the financial checklist goals that you would see yourself wanting to do, you know, the so-called American dream, big, nice house sitting on a lake, all that stuff. And then on Valentine's day, I get started divorce papers. Oh geez. Yeah. And to be, I mean, were you surprised or you're like, Oh man, here we go. Um, to be perfectly honest, like I knew things weren't great, but I didn't know that they were that bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, I knew that, uh, kind of like what you were talking about. Like we were, I think we, we, we liked the thought of it. And I think that, um, we liked the idea of being married, but neither one of us were, 
uh, acting married, I guess you could say. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it gets there. That's hard. I mean, I was not leading my household. Hell, I was never home to lead my household. My right. my thought of it was come home and we go eat together or I cook dinner and then we sit down or whatever and then, uh, you know, do the little stuff. And, and I coached, uh, coached my kids' t-ball team, shit like that, you know, I would do. But it still wasn't the day-to-day uh, that – that was needed, you know, the, the conversations it's more like daily, the, the, like the task parenting than like the relationship parenting. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was, yeah. uh, this is the mission for the day. I'm going to teach you how we're going to go win this ball game. I'm going to teach you how to do, yep. uh, this sport or whatever. But yeah, there was zero. I mean, there was a lot of connection cause you can, I mean, even to this day, my daughter, she's, um, she turns 11 this week and she's a daddy's girl all day long. Um, we, right. we have a great bond. Um, and, to be perfectly honest, I think what even rebuilt that bond is even after we were divorced, um, I was still getting her half the time. Um, we do a 50-50 custody thing. And so that whole time period for the next couple of years, the whole time she was at home, because um, I ended up, uh, you know, we talk about consequences. Um, and I'm sorry I'm being long-winded, but it's a, <laughs> uh, oh, it's, a it's a story I think guys need to uh, kind of understand. We talk about the consequences. Well, one of the things of that, when you are making all that kind of money – and this, that, and the other. Uh, when one person leaves and you get all those lawyer bills, you get all that stuff, uh, I ended up you know, having to sell a vehicle again, having to sell my house because I don't have that um, third income coming in. And with the custody battle and all that, to be able to have my daughter have time, I had to quit one of my full-time jobs. So right. the income goes down. But what that ended up becoming is, um, I mean, it, it turned out good for me. Uh, but I got out of that big house, got out of that house note, all that stuff. And then, I, I to be quite honest, 30 years old, I moved back in with my parents. And right. the Bro, re- that's, that's the same thing I did. I was sleeping <laughs> on my mom's feather couch at 30 <laughs> years old while I was trying to get my wife back. You know, I'm like, yeah. Oh. I mean, what does every 30-year-old guy do that screwed up his life? He calls his mom, right? <laughs> dude, dude, straight up. Fortunately, 30. I still had a... a uh, my parents had a guest room, so I still had a bed. I didn't have to sleep on oh, the couch, but uh, good yeah, for you. <laughs> yeah, I was fortunate in that. But uh, I was able to get that connection with my daughter because at that point, because I wasn't working all the jobs and I had just the single, you know, full time fire job, my time off with her was actually with her. And I started realizing, you know, it's funny how whenever you uh, people like to throw up rock bottom and all that kind of stuff, but it's kind of funny how when all your consequences hit you at once, you're able to do a lot of reflecting and then you see all those red flags, you see all those things like you were talking about with the, you know, times missed and, and, uh, situations where you're like, Oh man, yeah, I really screwed that up. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, so I was able to recognize on all that. And, and that kind of set me on this trajectory of being able to, um, hopefully try to teach people not to do what I do, but, um, that's kind of my storyline on the stuff. But, uh, one aspect, I know you and I both, uh, it hits home for us is is the fire service side of it. So, you know, we've talked about what the culture is in the fire department when it comes to marriage and stuff. That's that's what I want guys to kind of understand. Like my personal opinion, the fire service that I was raised in with my dad, my grandpa, the family first. It's it's people are easily they're able to say you know oh we're family or family first this that, and the other. But I personally don't see it in today's fire service that we are. Um, walking that walk, uh, right? That's good. What 
when you were going through all of your shit, what were the guy like? What was your crew saying? What was your? How was your department like? What was the climate for you? I mean, like, how was your department? I guess handling your situation, if if you will. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think it's it's kind of what you said, and I think it's really about who we surround ourselves with. Like, may, look, maybe there were guys that were you know doing it right, and I just didn't find them or see them. Um, but it, it was generally accepted. I mean, there is a big divorce rate in the fire department. I don't want to get into numbers because, you know, people always get weird when you mention numbers, but I, I will say the national divorce rate is 50%, you know? So if the national divorce rate is 50%. You think about all the stuff we go through. I'll just say this. It's higher than 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had somebody argue with me about it the other day and I was like, look, I don't want to argue numbers. We just have a marriage problem in the fire department. Can we agree on that? You know, yeah. and, um, you yeah, know, numbers so, and can I, be I interpreted. See, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's just an issue with what we go through, lack of communication, you know, so my, I had, I had one or two guys that were really doing a, like a great job at work life, on uh, home life balance. And so they were kind of looking at me like I was, you know, an idiot. And I had some other guys that were young, just like me, motivated about the job. And they were like, well, it's your life, you know, whatever, just be happy. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're an adult. And I was pretty bullheaded, pretty stubborn. And I think the guys that probably wanted to say something to me or talk to me knew I probably wouldn't listen or didn't want to argue with me, mm-hmm. you know. So and it wasn't, wasn't really receptive. I was not coachable, not teachable. Um, I, would lo- I would love to say that I didn't have a chip on my shoulder coming back from my deployment. But, you know, and I'm just sitting here realizing some of this now, like I 100% had a chip on my shoulder. I just got back from a war, sitting in a Black Hawk helicopter, you know, behind a gun, hanging out with like First Force Recon Marine dudes. Of course I had a chip on my shoulder. You know, of course I had some pride. Of course I had some ego, you know, and I brought that in with me. And I think that made me not approachable and maybe not coachable, not teachable, Um, you know, Man, it was accepted. There were guys doing it right. There were guys that had been married for 20, 25, 30 years, but those weren't the stories you were hearing back then when I came in. You heard this person was divorced, this person is on second marriage, this person is on third marriage, get this kid on the weekends. Uh, you know, his kids come up to visit, and you're like, oh, that guy just has kids. He's divorced. You know, he's dating again. It, 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 it was like when I was raised in the fire service, that's how it was. Mm-hmm. Or that's what I saw. That's what was presented to me. You know, so I'm not not saying the entire fire department is like this, but that is what I saw. And I didn't have great examples, you know, early on in the fire department of people that were really doing, uh, you know, hey, I've been married the whole time I've been in here and I've struggled, but we've made it work and we communicate. And I talked to my wife about, you know, what's going on at work. And I, I just didn't see any of that. So most of my crew... Um, I think they were kind of letting me do what I was going to do. Now, I will say, when I finally uh, got caught pretty much having an affair and then left my wife, they were like, oh, hang on a second. Uh, my, the people that were close to me were like, I know you were partying, doing some dumb stuff. We've seen you do some, you know, seen you be with other women that you, sh- women that you shouldn't be with. We kept your secrets. Uh, but we didn't know you were going to leave your family. You know, so it was like, they oh, we're not going to let you go this far. Yeah. Um, so it was like, well, what do you think that was leading to? You right. Know, like, yeah, absolutely. If, if I'm if I'm out here playing with fireworks, you know, and you know they're going off in my hand, and it has, don't have any fingers blown off yet, 
eventually I'm going to lose a hand. It's just a matter of time. And if you're watching me play with these fireworks and not tell me to be careful, and it's not their fault, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, they, they only let, they let me go so far, you know. And then when I finally left, they, were, they weren't happy. They didn't agree with my decision. Some people were like, whatever, you just got to be happy. And um, look, and I'll be honest, right? Like, we're doing an honest show. I was honestly surprised at the the quickness that firemen hit a hit on my wife that I was um, separated from. It was like with a quickness. It was kind of sad. Oh, I'm like hundred percent. I'm like I'm like this is like a brotherhood. Uh, we're we've been separated two months, you know, and find out, you know, Bobby Joe, Jim Bob from Station Whatever is hitting on my wife, and I'm like, oh okay, you know. So when we, it was funny because when. We actually finally did make things work, thank God, and uh, got back together and really had an amazing marriage after, you know, we got things back together. But, you know, she was like, you know, there were a couple of guys. I was like, I don't even want to know their names. Mm. But it is, it is <laughs> you're better you're a better man than me because I'm going to go beat the like, brakes off of somebody. Yeah, it is like better off just me not knowing. I got my wife back. I got my kids back. I don't want to be in jail, too. <laughs> like, you Shit. Know, so that might be worth it, it though. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it was like... They didn't, they didn't cross any boundaries where it was like, you know, they didn't put hands on anybody, said a couple of things, and I was like, you know what, I, I, I could take the word, and, uh, you know, I just, I don't even know who these people are, and uh, they never popped up again, you know, I think I would have said something then, but I was so close to get my family back, but, uh, yeah, man, I think it was, it just sucked, dude. I mean, shows like Rescue Me were out back then with Tommy Gavin. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I look, watched every a, episode. A, <laughs> dude, I, I love the show, man. But hey, look, I mean, honestly, he was a badass fireman who had some serious mental health problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, his relationships were a mess. His kids were a mess. Like, But the firehouse life was freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean, I still like that show. But... Back then, I was so unhealthy watching the show. Like, well, Tommy Gavin, who is not even freaking real, <laughs> like you know, like I'm like, I'm like, look, this guy's doing it. Yeah, you know, he's drink, he's drinking, and he's still an awesome fireman. And I was, you know, it sounds weird to say I was modeled after a fictional character, and not that I was trying to be him, but if I look back, I'm like, that is the life I was living. If you watch Rescue Me, aside from you know being an Irish guy in the middle of the FDNY. Uh, I was, man, I was just drinking with marriage problems and, you know, not helping my family at all. And I think, you know, for me, like I mentioned it, you know, I, I, I was a pastor's kid, which is probably half the reason I'm still screwed up, but I was really, I was like raised on religion, but really never had like a, you know, I think religion and a relationship with God are two different things. Like I was raised on religion. I had a relationship with God. I honestly got, that's what I attribute to getting my marriage back. Um, you know, I pursued God, pursued some principles that really helped me win my wife back, win my kids back. That is really when she she realized, like, oh, okay, you're actually not going to wing it anymore. You're actually getting wisdom, mm. and you're actually going to figure out this whole love thing. You're actually going to figure out what I need, what the kids need. I mean, to be completely honest, I didn't even, like, I didn't even, I remember reading a book just trying to get my family back. I didn't even love myself at all. I didn't like where I was in life, didn't like myself, didn't love myself. And that always sounds weird for guys to say, like, oh, I didn't love myself. But it's true. I didn't like myself. I didn't like the fact that I was drink- when I drank, I drank super heavy. I-, I didn't get married wanting to cheat on my wife. I wasn't standing at the altar thinking, I can't wait to cheat on her, have affairs, and divorce her one day and leave. That wasn't, that wasn't my plan. 
for sure. You yeah. know, so when I finally got to that point, I was like, man, this is not the man that I wanted to be. This isn't who I wanted to be. And I don't like who I am. And I think I had to be honest with myself. And for me, like I said, I took the faith route. That worked for me. I think if you're not a faith guy, the first thing you have to do is just be fucking honest with yourself. And I don't think you want to do that. Like, you don't look, you don't have to choose the path that I chose. I think it's a good path. I think it works for a lot of people. I think it could work for, you know, some of the listeners on here right now. But I think the first step to any path that you're going to choose is I had to be honest with myself and about where I was, where I had, be- what I had become. Did I want to be this man that I was? And the reality is, no, I did not. And I was going to bed every single night, laying in bed with my own thoughts of how did I get here? How do I recover? And look, I know people are out there and, you know, um, like my latest book, it talks about good and evil and, you know, everybody's talking to themselves. Everybody hears a voice. It it just depends on what voice you hear. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us, we entertain that negative voice consistently and life just gets overwhelming. I mean, I was at a point where literally I would lay down in bed at night and be like, you know what? I'm never going to change. This is just who I am. I never wanted to be here, but it's too overwhelming. I'm just going to deal with life and see where it takes me. That is a bullshit attitude, mm. and that will never get anybody anywhere. So for me, like I said, chose the faith route, got my marriage back. Um, you know, that next three years was was amazing when it came to marriage. And now I'll be honest, you do got to have some balance because we talked about I was so into the fire department, and I was a really good fireman. And I'm not like, hey, look at me. This was coming from other people. Um, you know, I was I was accountable. I was dependable. I was a great fireman. Um, when I got my family back, I realized that I had really kicked into the curb for the fire department. So I kind of almost went the other way where I became angry with the fire department. But it wasn't the fire department's fault. So it was my fault. And my job skills didn't suffer. But I also was like, I'm just coming to work just to come to work. I'm a family man now. And you still got to have some balance. Mm-hmm. You still got to, you still, you make sacrifices. You're just healthy sacrifices now. So I was so one way with the fire department. And then I started to become this other way with, I'm just angry with the fire department, but still have to work here because my whole plan is to retire from here because I do love it. And then I think over the years, I have found some balance where I'm like, love my family. They are the priority. And they understand that I make a sacrifice for them going to work and serving other people. So now I have more of a healthy work-life balance, but I was so far one way, went so far the other way. And then, like I said, 2012 was when it all broke loose, uh, got my family back, you know, like seriously felt challenged to take the faith route. I did that. My wife started taking me seriously. Dude, I remember, let's see, I left in March 2012, uh, moved in with another woman, August 2012 that year I was like I can't do this shit anymore I gotta go home uh, September I kind of tell my wife who's like no I don't think so you're not coming home you've been gone for almost six months <laughs> I got a boyfriend I got a boyfriend I'm in love I'm like what the hell <laughs> like what did I get myself into oh, you know man. like you know so I, I leave the girl that I'm with because I'm like well I can't do this I at least got to be a good dad you know, so my wife was like, hey, you know what? You, you have every opportunity to be the dad that you want to be, which is great. She's like, I don't know if me and you are going to work, but you can be a good dad. Mm. And, uh, you know, so that was that meant a lot to me. So she let me start see the kids and do all that stuff. 
so that was like September. I'm living on my mom's couch now. <laughs> I remember I went to a tattoo parlor and I was like, hey, I need to get a wedding band tattoo. And the guy wouldn't do it. He was like, I'm not doing it. Wedding band tattoos are, uh, you know, they're permanent. And I've seen a lot of marriages not work out. And I was like, dude, I'm paying you to do this tattoo. Just do it. Dang. You know, so I left and went to another tattoo parlor, got it done, came to pick up my kids. And me and wife, my wife had not worked it out. And she was like, do you have a wedding band tattoo? And I was like, yeah, I got this in faith that we're going to work out. She was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, look, I made a, I, I was like, look, I made a lot of mistakes. And I want this to work. And this is my reminder to me that this is more important than anything else. I made a commitment to you. And that's it. I made this commitment. And she was like, well, what if we don't work? And I was like, I can't accept that. Mm. You know? And she's like, but what if we don't work? And I said, then this will be a reminder of what I did to myself and this family. And it'll just motivate me to always be a better person. Mm. And she was like, mm. just, just get out. You know, so, you know, I, 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 she was pissed, you know, now we worked it out, you know, a month and a half later. So after about six or seven months, we worked it out and then it was a cool story. You know, it was like, oh, but <laughs> if it would have went the other way, could have completely backfired on me, but I still have that tattoo today. Um, you know, so, but fast forward, get my family back. I get some healthy work-life balance. Um, 2015, three years later, I get a call from work, uh, her work. I'm in the garage, cleaning the garage. She was a nurse at a hospital. I had worked shift work the night before. Um, we're planning a vacation over, over text message back and forth. Kids are in school. You know, I'm planning to see her later that night when she gets off. I get a call from her work saying, hey, you need to get down here right now. Your wife has passed away. I mean, uh, or, well, she hadn't passed away yet, but she passed out. So I get down there, they're doing CPR at the hospital on my high school sweetheart, my wife, who I just went through all this marriage stuff with three years prior, and I'm completely shocked. No medical history, nothing. I show up to the hospital, and I'm like, wait a minute, hang on, what's going on? And they're like, well, she passed out during work, she went to cardiac arrest. Dude, you want to talk about mind-blown, I mean... We just went through all this marriage stuff together. I finally have healthy work-life balance. And I get there, and they're like, Mr. Chase, uh, your wife is your wife has passed away. I'm like, I, wait, what? So now I'm a single dad raising three kids. At the time, my kids were 12, 6, and 5 years old. Like I said, we had just been through all this marriage stuff. Finally got some balance and not sick. Never been sick a day in her life other than a cold. Um, you know, so obviously after that, I, you know, I was like, hey, I got to find out what happened. I had an autopsy done. They said, hey, she had, a, she had a seizure and she went into cardiac arrest and she passed away. This just happens sometimes. 32 years old. You know, so 32 years old. Now I'm a single dad raising three kids. Um, that was 2015. Almost quit the fire department because I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to continue on in the fire department raising three kids their mom's not here i'm grieving losing my best friend they're grieving losing their mom how do i walk everybody through this stuff how can i responsibly work in the fire department in a in a career where i risk my life every day when their mom just randomly passed away um man you talk about being caught off guard after being through stuff and making it work and um you know so that man if i i don't even have time to get into the grief the depression, you know, the, the suicidal thoughts and everything I was dealing with. I just, I don't want to be here anymore. 
You know, you can imagine working so hard for something after almost losing it and then it's just gone. And uh, I mean, I will say this, if it were not for my kids, and people are always like, well, you know, why didn't you, uh, you know, did you just work out your marriage for the kids? Like, no, I didn't. it wasn't just for them, but they were definitely a factor. They're my kids and they deserve a mom and a dad, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but during that season, after my wife passed away, dude, if, if I wouldn't have had my kids, I'm not going to lie to you. I w- we wouldn't be having this conversation. I mean, I really, I got up every day for them. They had to eat. They had to get the teeth brushed, had to get them to school. Um, you know, I, I wanted to get to a point where it was like, Hey, we can do this. You know, we can do it together. However it looks like, um, you know, and hard journey. Um, like I said, the details of that, I'll probably write in a book one day or that's probably a four hour podcast right there. It's <laughs> just the stuff I'll walk through, learning how to raise my kids again. Um, and I'm remarried now. I've been remarried for about six years now. Um, you know, but that, that comes with its own challenges. You know, I was very much in love when I lost my wife and, you know, now I love another woman that's here and now I'm raising three kids, still, still doing work-life balance. You know, my buddies are always like, man, you're just a glutton for punishment. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not a glutton for punishment. This is just my life. And any adversity that I encounter, it's not about how do I get over it? It's about how do I get through it? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's what I've chosen to do. But man, you talk about being hard, and and the reason I, the reason I think this all ties in, is because exactly what me and you were talking about. You think you have tomorrow. You think the decisions that you're you're making right now don't matter. You think maybe your marriage is on the ropes right now, and you're going to fix it later, or you know I'll get to it later. I know these guys are talking about, but I'm young and I want to have fun. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I got I got lucky in the sense where I worked out my marriage. And yes, I don't like the fact that my wife passed away three years later. I still hate the fact that she's not here most days. Like it's, it's still not fair, but I had no idea that was going to happen. It was so sudden, not sick out of the blue. And you guys that are out there listening that are not taking your marriage seriously and not taking your kid relationship seriously, you have no idea what's going to happen the next day, you know? And I can't imagine what would have happened if I decided to not come back and then something tragically happened to my wife. And now I'm dealing with all that, all that guilt, all that shame. And I'm having to raise my kids through all that, knowing that she passed away and I was gone. I just, I can't even get into all that. And I say all that to say, like, just buck the fuck up and make your relationship work. Like, it's work. <laughs> and you want to do hard things. I mean, you want to do hard things. You're mm-hmm. in the fire department. You're doing hard things. But it is a hard job when we're actually doing it. But for some reason, we will not take the time to look inside ourselves and be honest with ourselves and just say, hey, I'm screwed up. Maybe it's not my wife. Maybe I'm leading this whole family in the wrong direction. Maybe if I got a hold of my mental health, my problems, my past, the stuff I never fixed in childhood, maybe if I started working on that stuff, I could have a healthy marriage and have a healthy family and still be a badass fireman. I mean, I feel like that's the goal. I feel like that's what we're getting at today, but. I don't mean to be long-winded, but yeah, that's freaking crazy. No, uh, man, I got to be honest. I didn't know that. Um, we never, we never fully got into the the complete depth of uh, of your story to that point. Uh, dang, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I mean, to just throw it on you, but I mean, it's part of, it's part of it. So yeah, no, and uh, it's that's something people need to hear. Um, yeah. I mean, you touched on, on so many things that 
absolutely uh people needed to hear uh i'm gonna man uh one thing that you did i i, I do want to point out to people uh one thing you did you did hit that i couldn't agree with more uh when you're talking about uh faith and religion uh, i was raised in the church 100 percent too um wednesdays right. thursdays sundays twice on sundays oh, yeah. all, all that stuff uh and one thing that 100% of our stories align, I always knew that there was a God. Um, to be right. perfectly honest, I went through a long period of my time where I knew he was there, but I didn't uh, didn't give a shit, basically. Me either, yeah. Um, I was going to do what I was going to do. I, truthfully, I knew right from wrong, uh, but most of the time yeah. I chose wrong because wrong was normally more fun. Uh, that's just the reality Absolutely. to it. And um, But I will say that I think that there is a – drastic difference between faith and religion in the sense that yep. this is my view, hundred percent, my view. Uh, I believe that religion is man's rules on faith. Um, yep. 100%, I think I agree with you. I think that, um, you know, my wife, uh, my wife is, is very religious and all that. And, and she's normally my go-to when I have questions. Um, she's way more educated than I am. And, and I wouldn't consider myself an uneducated man when it comes to religion, because like I said, I mean, sure. uh, and I, I was raised in multiple different religions kind of, uh, I mean, I live in the Bible belt, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, you got a, yeah. you got a church literally on every corner and it's, it's kind of, you know, when you move houses, you also move churches cause there's a church closer to your house. So I was raised in yeah. Southern Baptist churches and Methodist churches and non-denominational churches. So I've seen all the different rules. And bottom line, what most of it comes down to is the Christianity is the foundation. But uh, most of the time, you know, like everybody laughs because, you know, Southern Baptist, hardcore Southern Baptist churches are fire and brimstone. You're going to go to hell if you drink. You're going to go to hell if you dance this way or that way. You know, it just but those are all man's rules. We don't we don't necessarily yep. know. Um, my personal belief is, is, is you're given that knowledge, you're given that conscience. And if something feels like. Uh, you shouldn't do it. If, if something, you know, your internal voice is telling you that, hey, this is wrong, then that should be kind of your guiding uh, principles, not necessarily what the church says, if you will. Yeah. Um, that's well, just, I mean, look, I just, I just looked it up, right? There are there are 28,000 churches in Texas. <laughs> 28,000 churches in Texas. So it's, it's exactly what you just said. Like, how are you supposed to take if there's 28,000 churches, that means there's 28,000 different opinions on something. 100%. So it, it, it's exactly what you just said. Like, you can't just take the church's word for it. You know, maybe it's an encouraging message on a Sunday, and that's cool, but it really is about your relationship with God, like you said, and that conscience that you have that's like, hey, maybe you're doing 30 over the speed limit right now. <laughs> maybe yeah. you should slow down. You know, For sure. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm very blessed in, in where I live. I live on uh, some family property that's been in my family for uh, about 100 years now. And I have found, and I call it my church. I mean, uh, I found that I'm able to reflect on myself and, and make decisions and do a lot more thinking and, and figure out the direction of life whenever I'm sitting out in the pasture uh, versus sitting in a church pew. Um, that's awesome. just me. I, I had no idea there was that many churches, but that makes sense. And you know, you got, that means there's 28,000 head pastors, but then you probably have triple that of, uh, you know, assistant pastors. And then you got 
10 times that of the church elders and the deacons and all that, all the old folks that are going to tell you what you need to do and how you should be living. And I mean, there's just, there's way too many different opinions. And I mean, I've seen it time and time again, you know, this group will get pissed off at this church because they did something that they didn't like or whatever. So they leave and they go start their own church. Uh, yep. So it, it, it oh, just, yeah. it's a hundred percent, um, something that you need to, to figure out on your own. And, and I think that that's faith. I think that you figuring out what you want to believe in and, and making that decision and, and building a relationship with, with who you're going to believe in, that's your faith. And that to me is, is more important than what religion that you are. And you talked about during the time period, uh, you know, um, guys not loving themselves or, you know, you not loving yourself. And I think that that is, absolutely a fact i think that that's something that i did throughout my time period so i had to be totally honest i spent some time after my divorce i I spent it alone um i didn't date anybody i didn't uh you know run out and look for the next the next piece of ass whatever however you want to put it um I, i didn't do that because i was at the point where i'm like man i don't even know who i am anymore I strictly at that point was basically just defined by the job. I was a cat met a fire department. It's a hard place to be though, right? It is. I mean, I knew that I wanted to be a good dad, obviously. Um, And I I believe like I, I've been very strong principle driven uh, throughout my entire life. I mean, my parents will tell you as, as a little kid, there was just things that I uh, believed in and would do and things I wanted. And a lot of times that got me in trouble or whatever, but I, I was very principle driven individual but when you get to that point when you the rug's been ripped out from underneath your feet and you're trying to figure out um and basically your foundation has been shook you got to figure things out and that's where that learning to love yourself because I, I do and i remember my granny telling me years and years ago when i was probably in high school you know and have your first love and shit and things ain't working out or whatever and and you're trying mm-hmm. to figure all that out i remember my granny telling me that you can never truly love someone else until you love yourself. And yeah, I, it's so old school, but it's so real, though. It is, but I, to be perfectly honest, I had no idea what that even meant. Yeah, you know, and and it was dumb on me for not asking more because some of them old folks got some pretty good knowledge, especially like her. You know, she was married for shit 40, 50 years until she finally passed away. So they that's a lesson that you got to kind of figure out. And, and I didn't know what it meant until I was 30 years old and, and, or I'd say, well, 20, 29, almost 30. And you don't have anybody. And so you're trying to figure all that stuff out. And basically I just had to kind of revamp of who I was. And I think that of course, to be honest, that's what has ended up leading into this show it's what has ended up leading me to where I am in my fire career. Uh, the things that I will, you know, my hard lines, the things that I will accept, the the boundaries that I have in my professional and my personal life on things I'll accept, things that I won't accept, all that kind of stuff. And I think that all comes down to having um, a knowledge of who you are and, and loving yourself. Because if you're trying to please others all the time, whether it's, you know, the bad influences or the good influences, you don't even know who you are. And that was yeah, something I had true. to figure out. And to be quite frank, I don't think that you can have a truly healthy relationship until you reach that point, because you're basically just going to be trying to make your partner happy 
and you're not, it, it's just, it's a inauthentic relationship. Yeah, man, that's so good. I mean, I think, yeah, it, it's so crazy how similar our stories are, but it, it makes me, but it, it gives me confirmation and probably you confirmation as well. Like we're two guys that found each other on social media and we're like, let's do this show. <laughs> but, you know, how many other guys are out there, you know, that are going through this right now? Not just because me and you are kind of we're kind of been through it. And if we're if we're going through some of it now, we know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But how many guys are in the thick of it? I mean, and that's it's like you said, like, so this new book that I wrote, um, it's called Engage the Enemy, Fight for Your Purpose. Um, you know, and it really gets into a lot of what you just talked about. I get into my the first 40, 50 pages is super personal. It's really about what I went through. Uh, super honest. It's, uh, it's, I'm really unapologetic. I tell you, like, look, I was a shitty husband. I was a shitty dad. I was a great, great fireman. I'm, I'm, I just wrote this book in a very unapologetic way. If me and you were sitting down having a beer, this is the book, right? Mm. And then, but I also wrote in the book, like, hey, I, I had to be honest. Like you just said, I did not like myself. I did not love myself. And look, these are the six things that I use to actually turn my life around. And, you know, so, and then I give you real examples of how I use them. It's like you said, man, I love the fact you're like, I'm not borrowing stories from people. This is my life. These are my stories. And I'm, I only wrote about them to help other people, you know? So the first chapter, one of the first principles I talk about is truth. And, I think that's what we're kind of hitting on is you got to be truthful with yourself. Like if you don't, like you just said it, if you don't love yourself and your granny said it, you don't truly love yourself. You can't love other people. You know, you can want to, mm-hmm. but you can't do it effectively. And, you know, I talk about truth. I talk about, you know, I talk about faith, but I talk about faith in the sense of, you know, when people are like, Hey, you got to have a little faith. I talk about faith in the sense of like having vision for your life, having some actual goals having a purpose-driven life in a marriage. Like, if you don't have a plan and a purpose for your own life as a man in general, what's going to be the purpose for your family, for your wife and your kids? I mean, if you don't have any vision, like, think about it like this. I tell people this all the time. If I'm, if I'm in the car and I'm in the driver's seat, because that's what you are if you're a man, and your wife gets in the car and the kids get in the back, and they're like, where are we going? You're like, I don't fucking know. We're just going to drive around for 20 years. <laughs> like, like what, what are you doing, right? And like, but how many of us do that in real life? We don't have any destination. We just got married to get married. We have no idea where our marriage is going. We don't know what our kids want to do when they grow up. We're not trying to help them get there, you know, or we get our wife and kids in the car, and you're like, where are we going? And you're like, wherever I want to go for the next 20 years, I'm going to drag your asses with me. Mm. You know, so then, so then what, what do they get to do for the next 20 years? And to be honest, I think, I think that's what, uh, I think that's what most firemen do. Right. So then you drag them through your identity crisis, you drag them through your mistakes, you know, your broken down vehicles, dude, it's, it's a freaking mess. You're exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I see, I see countless guys that, uh, you know, every time that there's a, a conference or a, a hands-on training or something on the weekends they're at that shit but right. they're not they can't pay their mortgage they're yeah they're not taking care of, of the home stuff at all but they're at every fire training and, and i say that shit because i see it and it's something that i did but yep. that yeah, does not it make down. it it doesn't make it right um right. and i think that as a as a fire service we're not doing uh, a justice in in teaching that. I think that uh, 
if we you know we all talk about culture every every damn platform on social media and everything about we're all talking about culture we're all talking about leadership that's the hot stuff um but one major aspect of the culture of the fire service i think that we're missing and you know you you were joking about rescue me and and dude (laughs) i just laugh because man that shit was so true i was ate up with that show when i was younger i fucking loved it and it's on Hulu right now, every single episode. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've watched some of it. But I'm, I don't want to be Tommy Gavin anymore. <laughs> no. No, but uh, one thing about that, man, those guys uh, on that show, they actually did paint the picture of how it used to be back in the day of when the yep. dudes were fucking up, they would tell them that they were fucking up. You know, Franco didn't have no problem telling Tommy he was a fucking moron for the shit that he was doing to his wife. So true. You, you know, they... They painted the picture of, you know, a lot of the craziness that we do, but they also did paint the picture of that culture within the fire station where you are supposed to to holler, you know, uh, holler at your boy about, hey man, you're fucking up, uh, yep. and we're not doing that part. We're doing all the fun shit. We're doing the the drinking and the screwing around and the and the, you know, being badass fireman part. But we're not. And, I mean, you even talked about it, you know, in your story. And, and mine was the same. I had one close – and he's still one of my best friends to this day. I had one close friend of mine that said, hey, man, <laughs> you're not making good choices. And, yep. you know, I, I didn't listen to him. Uh, but I had one friend that did that shit. And that's a huge aspect that we're missing. And, I mean, I don't know if it's guys don't they don't want to have those uncomfortable conversations or or kind of what we're doing, but the reality is uh that we don't have that accountability. You know, I, I the cliche I guess it is that people say, you know, be your brother's keeper. That actually is a real thing. And guys should have the 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 nuts to tell somebody like, Hey man, you know, you're married. If you if you want to run around, you want to do all that shit, then then you should you should just be single. Don't be sitting here playing the married card and right. still doing all that shit on the side. Like that ain't right. And right. I don't know if it's because guys either don't like that uncomfortable conversation or they're living vicariously through you. Because I mean, let's face it. There's you know I, I've been part of them conversations when guys are talking about what they were doing last night. And you're like, damn, okay, I didn't know girls were yeah. even doing that now. But shit, okay. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah, I hear you. And it's just like we have all that going on, and we're missing that huge aspect. You know, I joke all the time. Uh, you can leave a hundred dollar bill sitting on the kitchen table at the fire station, and you could come back a week later, and that hundred dollars would still be sitting there. There's two things that you can't trust uh, your brothers at the fire station with, and that's shit in the refrigerator uh, or your wife. <laughs> I already knew what you were going to say next. So true. <laughs> uh, oh and and that's sickening. I mean, I've worked at places legitimately. You know, you have your Christmas banquet, and the wives come up for the Christmas banquet, and you better watch it because somebody on your crew might be texting your wife later that night saying it's nice to meet you type bullshit. Right, and right. that's that stuff that gets me fired up. Like, you are talking about that? Bro, I'll lose my mind behind that kind of shit because – Right. How and I've seen it. I mean, it's literally it's happened on my crew. It's happened with some of my my friends. They've done, and I'm like, guys, I'm telling y'all, that's that's a line you do not want to cross. Like, and in that show, you know, Rescue Me, they even paint that picture. 
You know, they beat the yeah. shit out of Tommy Gavin for messing with uh, his cousin's wife. You know? Oh, yeah, they do. Like, yeah. we're, we... Well, and, and, like, I just, you know, just for the listeners, just so they know, like, this shit does happen, but I think it happens where we're not just the fire service. If there's any amount of guys involved, you know, it's it's military, too. I've been in the military, and it's not like uh, not like the main thing, but you're right, it does happen. And, like you said, it's kind of sickening. Uh, you know, and it's like, like, dude, it's just like you said, they beat the shit out of that guy for that. So it's, I don't know, man, like you just said it, like, I don't understand why people do not want to have the uncomfortable conversations these days. I don't get it. Um, you know, and, and you can ask my wife now, she'll tell you one of my biggest problems is just keep my mouth shut most days, you know, um, <laughs> I, I am not a sit in the background on, and wait for things to happen kind of person, you know? I can I can wait it out a little while, but I'm the guy in the back of the room that's like, nope, I've had enough. I got to say something now. I don't care where this conversation goes. I'm done. Yeah. And if we're not going to be friends, at, we're not going to be friends afterwards. That's because you don't want to be friends afterwards. Because somebody needed to say this. And here's here is the thing. I, I think people don't understand. Like, if I am confronting you or pulling you aside, it's because I actually give a shit. Mm-hmm. If I don't care about you, I'm not going to talk to you. Go ruin your life. Go ruin your life. Go do whatever the hell you want. If I have the decency to sit you down and have a hard conversation and tell you that you're fucked up, it's because I actually care about you. And if you can't see that, then I don't know what to tell you. Now, is my timing always the best? Absolutely not. (laughs) Or Uh, your delivery? Yeah, my timing, my delivery. You know, I I should probably have somebody write it down and then I come talk to you. (laughs) But... It's like I say this all the time. We don't complain about what we don't care about, right? Mm-hmm. And same thing. We don't confront people that we don't care about. If something's bothering me, it's because somewhere inside, we may not even have like a crazy good relationship, but some, something inside of me says like, I care enough about this person to pull them aside and say, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. But it's like you said, in that show, they, they, they have that culture. And I think it was like that more... Um, I would say back then, but I think for me, I'm like, I'm not focused on, well, it's not like that anymore. I'm just going to be like that because that's just who I am. For sure. So yeah, if if you're friends with me and you're fucking up, then I'm going to tell you. And I would expect you to do the same to me. So do not come to me and say, who do you think you are? When I would expect you to do the same thing to me. That's why I have you around. Mm-hmm. That's why I have people around me. You know, I don't. I don't want to do life by myself. I tried. It sucked. You know, I almost wrecked my entire family because I was like, "Hey, leave me alone. I can do it myself. I'm winging it out here." Um, that shit doesn't work. No. You know, so it, it's it's crazy to me the fact that. Uh, and I like I said, I think you know my, my wife is probably my biggest. Uh, she knows me better than anybody, so she would tell you like, "Yes, he's working on his timing." But one thing he's not scared of is to just say what he's got to say. And I think my crew would tell you the same thing. They know, um, you know, not only will I go to bat for for myself, you know, if I have to, but I'll I'll go to bat for them. I'm the guy in the back of the room that I'm like, I'm probably going to get ready up for this, but uh, I'm also not going to lose sleep over it either, you know. So put the write-up in my file, but at least I'll sleep tonight. (laughs) Dude, straight up. Yeah, that's – I think – I mean, that – that's basically what uh, I have a little bit of a reputation for is uh, telling it like it is, but my uh, delivery and my tone is dog shit. (laughs) Uh, Uh, I can't agree more. I'm the same. 
And I mean, my wife, like, I think that's what people don't necessarily understand or have never been told is at no point is that shit fun. Like those right. hard conversations are not, they're not meant to be fun. They're meant to take you to the next level. Uh, I mean, the reason why my wife and I are best friends and why we work is because we have had some really, really, really hard arguments and conversations. Um, you know, we've had the fuck you, no fuck you. And then, right. you know, a couple hours later, once cooler heads prevail, then we come back and I'm like, Hey, this is what you said that set me the fuck off. Cause I mean, I have baggage right. just like she has baggage. Right. Um, yeah, we all do. And there, there's things that she says to me that send me in a bad place. There's things that I say to her that send her in a bad place. And until, you know, we come and then, and I tell her like, Hey, don't, don't come at me like that. I can't, I can't handle that. I'm automatically going to get pissed. This is why I went off and not saying that that's the, that that fixes it because next week we may turn around and, and have the exact same argument because it, it's almost, it's, it's a never ending journey. I guess if you, I don't necessarily like that word cause it's kind of become a, a weird sense, but, uh, yeah. it's never ending. Like, yeah, you can understand it and you can, reach the point where you're you have that aha moment and you get it kind of like you and i are talking about we've reached the maturity we've we've learned but okay now we still got the next 40 years of life left that we have to continuously every single day act on these things that we learned uh it's not right, like you exactly. just you reach it and you you figure it out and you're like okay that's yeah okay we're good and that's the part about the marriage and the relationship part that it's it's hard. It's work. I mean, I think uh, the two hardest things on this planet for me is uh, trying to be a good husband and trying to be a good dad. That shit is way harder than than fire department ever was. Oh, uh, my gosh. Well, and I think you just said it. That I think it's hard, and sometimes we just choose easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to work tomorrow morning. I'll be on shift for 24 hours. I'll do it Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday this week. Well, I'm second in command at work. There's a captain above me. So I have a pretty good idea what we're going to do tomorrow. Whereas you're a fireman, you're kind of at the mercy of what the officer says you're going to do. I already know what we're going to do. <laughs> right. It's kind of, it's my, it's kind of my, my station. My captain is very chain of command. He's like, hey, what do you guys have planned for the day? If he has something planned, you know, obviously he's the captain. But he kind of lets me and the other lieutenant run the house. So... I know what tomorrow is going to bring me. It's going to bring me whatever I want it to bring me. Unless admin hands me some stupid shit that I have to do, then I'll do that too. You know, but it's tomorrow. It's not going to be a hard day tomorrow. My worst day tomorrow is going to be my, my best day because the worst day for some people is somebody's house catching on fire, but I want that to happen. Right. You know, you know, so it's like the worst thing that could happen to me. I always say is I could be in the middle of a burning building. And I'm like, well, that's also not the worst thing. That's what I want to happen. I want to have a, I want a job tomorrow. I want to be exhausted. <laughs> I want to come out there and be like, well, I was super challenging. I've never been through that before, you know? And if we don't have any calls, whatever, we'll find some shit to do. We always do. Um, but it's easy. Tomorrow is going to, it's not that dynamic, right? I mean, to me, it's easy. I'm like, yeah, I have real relationships at work. You know, I'm not just a boss. Um, I don't run around telling my guys I'm a lieutenant. It's on my shirt. They don't, I don't have to tell them. They know I'm a lieutenant. But I have to walk around and tell them I have a problem. You know, so I have relationships with the guys. Like, it can get complex. 
But work is not complex like a marriage and kids. I mean, it's it's just not, you know. Um, and I think it's that that task stuff. It's I'm really good at the task stuff. Tomorrow for me, it, it's going to be easy. I'm going to go to work and hang out with my guys and drink coffee. We're going to run calls. We're going to do our job because that's what we do every day. We're going to work out at some point. Uh, we're going to do our job some more. Uh, it's Christmas season. Maybe we'll turn on a holiday movie. Hopefully, we'll get through it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> tomorrow is going to be a good day. Whereas marriage and family, though it's complex, it's very rewarding, you know. Um, you know, so here, you know, I'm I'm married and I have uh, an adult daughter living at home right now that's 22. I got a 15 year old daughter right now and a 17 year old son. So I got three girls in the house. So they're all looking. They're all looking for love. And you got you got daughters. I mean, how it is, you <laughs> yeah. know. And, and we're the examples. Like you know, we're. we're you know, we're fact over feeling. Most guys are, and I'm trying to be more in touch with my feelings than I am facts. So, but if I'm at work, we're all the same. So it's like, yeah. it's so much easier. Um, but I would much rather, like you said, I, look, I mean, legacy, right? I'm going to leave the fire department one day and I'm going to be gone and I'm going to be a picture on the wall and I'll be a story. Yeah. But, my my family, I, I want to be known for like, hey, that guy was an awesome husband. He was an amazing dad, and he was a pretty damn good fireman. Like, if I had to pick an order, I think that's probably what I would pick. Um, I don't want to be a pretty damn good fireman and like, ah, uh, he was an okay husband and and uh, father, you know? Because, dude, the fire, I'm a number. I am badge number two three nine seven one. And when I walk away, they're gonna get another badge number in there, and. Yep. reality is my station mates care about me. The guys that I have relationships care about me. The city I work for does not know who I am Mm-mm. and they will find a body to replace me immediately. And I think there are so many guys and I think that's what we kind of hit on this entire episode is their identities are wrapped up in the fire department, not realizing that you have a wife and kids at home. Or if you're listening to this and you're, you're a female, you have a husband you know, and kids at home that are dying for your attention, you know, mm-hmm. and they are going, I, I just saw something the other day on Facebook and it was like 20 years from now, your kids are going to be the ones who remembered that you worked late. The fire department isn't going to give you a certificate for that. That and is a hundred percent. Fuck yes. It, it's so true, man. I'm like, ah, oh. so I can think back at all the time I wasted you know, I got to do this. I got to be here. I got to go to this class. I got to, I got to go out of town. I got to party, you know, and then I'm, you know, thank God I have, I'm one of those guys like, yeah, screwed it up, but what can I do now? You know, and I'm having honest conversations with my kids too. Like, Hey, I'm not a perfect, not a perfect dad now within a perfect dad. Then, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I probably shared stuff with my kids that most men wouldn't share with their kids, but I want my kids to know who I am. You know, I, I want them to know that, hey, your dad was not perfect. You know, everything I've shared on this, this podcast today, all my kids know. Um, they know what I've done. They know what I've walked through. You know, some of that I had to give the kid version, you know, yeah. some stuff, you know, to honor, to honor my first wife and, to, you know, honor my wife now. Like some stuff kids don't need to know. But there are, I've shared a lot of details. And I'll be honest, I've probably shared more details with my son because he's going to grow up and be a man someday. And yeah. I want him to know what being a man looks like from his dad, not from some, 
dude that he meets because he picked up a trade and he's working on cars, learning about a marriage you know, relationship from some guy and a mechanic today. I want him to know what it looks like from a dad that's been through a real thing. You know, so it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't get it, man. The hard conversations, you got to have them. And I really think the identity piece, guys are so wrapped up and look at me, I'm a fireman, look at me, look at the badge, look at the t-shirt, look at this, look at that. What if you get hurt today? Mm -hmm. Like, what if something happens? So now your identity is gone? So I would challenge anybody listening to this right now, like, who are you without the fire service? And I think that is a question worth asking yourself and sitting down and when you go to bed at night, staring at that ceiling and asking yourself, who am I without the fire service? Yeah. Because that question is going to get answered. It's just a matter of whether you want to answer it or not and when it gets answered. It's going to get answered. I think you should just want to control it before it gets answered for you. I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, it's, it 100% does. Uh, yeah, you just opened up a whole other conversation. Yeah, uh, it uh, it 100% does because the reality is is you are a number. Yeah, you're talking about you know any your number is 71. Well, there's a 72 that's coming in tomorrow. Uh, right. And guys have got to understand that 100%. Like, and – it does. They do not give a shit. I mean, I'm sorry. They just don't. No fire department right. anywhere across this planet is going to fucking end if you don't show up tomorrow. It's not going to happen. True. But what well, is going to happen is if you don't. I mean, your story is so incredible in the sense that you you have literally had that that sense of urgency literally slap you in the face of how much oh, yeah. today matters. Um, I mean, to the point where I'm even like sitting here thinking, holy shit. Okay. I thought I had it figured out, but that that's honestly, I mean, that's one of all, all of our biggest fears is to lose a spouse or lose a kid. Um, you know, we, we can handle, I can handle the nine ones all day long, the emergencies, the chaos. I, I'm comfortable in that, but those fears of losing a child or, or losing my wife, that is a, th that's something that, that is the fear for me. So, uh, you know, I, I totally get that. And guys need to just, they need to understand that shit. And, um, and realize too, when it comes to the parent part, um, the parent issue, that, that conversations that you're talking about having, like with your kids, I think absolutely it is the right thing to do. Yes. You need to kind of, uh, censor depend age dependent. You know, if you're, if you got right. little ones, you don't need to be talking about, uh, door uh gory details type shit but sure. yeah um the older they get i mean these hell our kids are smarter than we ever will be i mean oh. they're so smart they're so they have so much information being shoved in their face they can process stuff way faster than we even could so the fact that you're able to show though like sh like share that also and what a lot of people i don't think are understanding as a parent the, the shit that you're modeling today, those hard conversations that you're having today, the stuff that you explain and teach your kids today, yes, it's helping them now, but it also, you're painting the picture for like, so us, those of all, everybody out there that's got daughters, what you need to understand is what your daughters are looking in you and learning from you today is what they will be looking for and, and craving when they're looking to get married. And do you want them to marry a guy that's open and honest and talks and even has those conversations, no matter how old or young they are, 
do you want them to be with a guy like that or do you want them to be with the guy that hides and lies and doesn't you know doesn't talk to him doesn't trim you you have to look at that it's it's a damn it's a cause and effect or whatever however you want to label it the things that you do today the conversations you have with those kids today is what they're going to end up modeling and doing 20 years from now and what they're going to be seeking in a spouse and so that's so true that is so true i mean it's funny like you said that so I talked to my daughter. My daughter turned 14, I think, or 15. She went in 15. And uh, I really hadn't shared. She knew what I kind of been through, what me and my first wife had been through. She knew what I'd been through with her mom, but she didn't really know. She was young, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, she's the last one I had to, like, have the conversation with and tell. And, man, I was scared. I was like, I don't want to have this conversation with her. Like, she still sits on the couch with me, calls me daddy, comes and curls up next to me. I'm like what 14, 15 year old girl does that? And I'm like, this is amazing. You know? So I'm like, I'm going to tell her who I am. She's going to, that's it. You know? And, uh, but I know I'm supposed to talk to her. So I, what I always do is I'm not supposed to have a conversation. I tell my wife, cause she'll hold me accountable. She's like, Hey, have you talked to Addison yet? I'm like, no, I really don't want to. Cause I feel like, you know, she's like, she loves you. You're going to be fine. You just tell her whatever you're going to tell her. You don't have to tell her all the details that like we just talked about, but Man, I sat her down and said, hey, I just want you to know who I've, you know, been in the past. I want you to know what, what God's brought me through, you know, um, the decisions that I've made, good and bad, you know. And, you know, I shared about being unfaithful, you know. I shared about, but I shared about coming back and recovering and kind of where I've been, where I got to. Shared that whole conversation. We sat, she cried, I cried. And, uh, man, it was one of the hardest conversations I've had with my kids, aside from telling them, you know, their mom passed away. And sitting there at the end of the conversation i said hey if you're upset with me for a couple days i understand i get it this is the first time you've heard a lot of this stuff i want to help you process through it she looked me dead in the face and said you know what dad all i heard was that you were a man that fought for his family and i just want to thank you for fighting for your family because we wouldn't be where we are today dude wow i I was like uh i mean i just i started crying i I was like i thought she was just gonna hate me after that right and uh but it's exactly what she said. She got to see a man who made some mistakes, owned his stuff, fought for his marriage, fought for his wife, fought for his kids, fought for his family. You know, things happened, but, you know, he made them work. And she got to see all that. And uh, what I thought she was going to say was, I thought she was going to be mad at me for a couple of days or we were going to have to process some serious things. She said, I'm just glad you fought for this family. Cried, gave me a hug. And I was like, well, that I wasn't expecting that. You know, oh, yeah. I think I think our kids are way more resilient than we give them credit for. And it's oh, exactly sure. what you it's exactly what you just said. They're gonna grow up and marry probably somebody pretty similar to us. Oh so, yeah. I mean that that's been the old <laughs> adage forever. I mean that's yeah, so everybody's always like, said that. Yeah, it's kinda like maybe be maybe be half the man that you would want your daughter to marry at least if you can't be the whole man, but if you're not doing it for yourself, man, do it for your do it for your kids, you know. Yeah, and then now like that, your daughter is gonna have that is a that's gonna be a core expectation for her when she's grown and looking you know, looking for a spouse is someone that no matter what, no matter what the odds are, that spouse will fight for the relationship and will fight for their family. That is now embedded in her as an expectation for a marriage. And hundred percent. So she's not gonna settle for you know, Joe Blow that just wants a wife and home and is going to stay running the roads. She's not going to settle mm-hmm. for that because now she knows nope. that that's not the norm. Like you talk about the norm, we talk about the culture. She knows now that that's 
that's not acceptable because her dad didn't do that. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a that that is a huge thing. And uh, man, we <laughs> we've hit so much stuff today. Uh, bringing it back to the actual fire service side. What is something I know? I know that you you know you made a comment. I believe it was on that Facebook post, or whatever. You made a comment that the fire service as a whole uh, has kind of stepped away from a, a lot of this mentality of the family first type stuff, and it was something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but I think that uh, that that's a hundred percent spot on. I think that just in my my personal. Uh, story and, and the things I went through we, when I was going through that divorce and the you know the custody battle and and all the stuff that was going on and the reality was is one of the main issues that the the courts were seeing and giving me my fifty fifty time with my daughter was the fact that my fire department uh, was so short staffed that they were we had an insane amount of mandatory overtime uh, we were a twenty four forty eight schedule but pretty much for the last nine months that I worked there until I finally left because of it. Uh, or that was one of the reasons I left. Uh, I worked 48 on, 24 off uh, due to staffing shortages. And I ended up in the chief's office because, I mean, I'll be honest. uh, I mean, my battalion chief, he and I did not see eye to eye. Personally, I I do not have any love for him at all whatsoever. That's pretty public knowledge. Uh, He and I will never get along. I know we're supposed to forgive and forget and all that, but some of the things that happened to me at that department throughout my divorce process and the things that were said and the ammunition that was used against me by my fire administration, uh, they used the fact that I was getting divorced and my family issues against me. And I I won't ever be able to forgive that because that's just low-level bullshit. But uh, I end up in the chief's office and the fire chief himself looks at me and says, well, you know, you're not a real fireman until you've been divorced at least once. Oh, geez. No way. And yeah. And, uh, it all came down to basically, I was trying to get, get him to understand like, Hey man, you're costing me in court because I have a judge saying, how can I give you 50, 50 time and you're not home? How can I right. like the judge didn't want to give it to me. Because I'm not home. So I go to the chief and I'm like, man, I understand that staffing is an issue, but like, is there any way that I can quit getting mad? Because basically what ended up happening is is I was on C shift at that particular moment because of another issue. They rotated all the captains. I had been on B shift my whole career there, and they just decided to play Yahtzee with the captains, and I landed on C shift. Um, and at one point, all of A shift quit. They all walked. So... Of course, they couldn't hire that many people overnight, you know, to restaff. So what ended up happening is, well, that's the day after you. You don't have relief. So guess what? You're mandatory. And I'm like, okay, I understand the rules. I understand the policies. But damn, dude, like you're killing me. I mean, we're four, five, six months into this shit. You still haven't hired anybody. I got a judge breathing down my neck, not wanting to let me have my daughter the amount of time that I should have my daughter because of you. And bottom line is you're the fucking chief. Staffing is your problem. Staffing is not my problem. You need to hire people and we go back and forth. But yeah, that was his answer to me was that you're not a fireman, a real fireman until you've been divorced at least once. And yes, I know that's one fire chief saying that, 
But you look around, and that is an overall mentality at a lot of places with a lot of people, and I just personally think it's completely unacceptable. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think I think you know it's definitely been accepted, and I think I started to go down that road, and obviously early on, you know, from from what I've already told in my story, and I realized I don't I don't have to be that, and I think that's the important thing that we're trying to get across today is like just because things are accepted doesn't mean you need to accept them. And, you know, sure, it may, it may be accepted in your department, it may be accepted in your station, you know, but it doesn't mean you have to accept that standard for your marriage, your life, or your family. That just because it is an accepted standard doesn't mean you can't rise above it. And, and I would challenge anybody out there listening to, we talk about accountability, integrity, professionalism, you know, all these core values that we live up to in the firehouse, but take those core values and actually apply them to your life and set some real standards for yourself that go above the accepted standard you know so if if the accepted standard for the for your fire department or your station or wherever you're at right now there's a lot of fire departments out there it's low when it comes to marriage and family that can't be your standard you don't have to pick up your department standard you know because at the end of the day um it's not going to be your department standing there paying your divorce court bill or your lawyer fees. It's, go, it's going to be you, you know? And like, look, some stuff just doesn't work out. Like, like we said in the beginning of the show, like some stuff just doesn't work out. This isn't us harping on guys that are going through stuff. And I'm not out here just calling people cowards for the sake of calling people cowards. I was a coward because I didn't want to go home, work out my marriage. That's how I felt for myself. And I don't want to look in the mirror of 50 years and, you know, admit to myself that I hadn't fought for my wife and my kids. So I was choosing the coward's way out. I finally chose courage. It worked out for me, right? But look, it's, it's personal, right? If you can look in the mirror and say you're doing everything right, uh, I think the mirror is a good evaluation tool. If you can look in the mirror and say you are the man you want to be today, good on you. Because some of us can do that, right? And like, I'm not upset at the man I am today. Like, I look back, I don't like everything I've been through. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, I got some stuff I need to work on. I want to get better and I'm doing those things. But if you can look in the mirror and identify some things you need to work on them, just work on them for you. Not even because me, not even because you heard me and Keith, Keith on the show today. I mean, just you have to, you got to work on this stuff. But it's like you said, it's generally been accepted. I think we're moving into just like the mental health stuff is becoming more prevalent. I think we're moving into a culture of where we don't want to accept it anymore. And it, it's hard though, right? Because like you just said, we're dealing with mandatory overtime over here, so. I like what I do, but I also want to go home and see my wife and kids. So now it's this whole balance thing. Um, you know, guys are like, I want to go home. Like, oh, I want to go home. So I think it's, it's really about communicating. And honestly, if it gets to the point where you have to continually put your marriage and family on the back burner and it's not working and your marriage isn't working and your kids aren't working, I hate to say this, but the fire department just may not be for you. And that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not telling you to quit your job right now. I'm not telling you to leave the fire service. I'm not saying it wouldn't be hard. I love the fire department. I've been doing it 19 years. I plan on a minimum of six more. They can't kick me out until I'm 65. So I'm not telling you to just leave. If you can make it work, make it work. But if you are not able to do it and you figure out, like, I'm going to have to sacrifice my family the entire time that I'm here, and they're not in for the sacrifice, they don't understand the sacrifice, look, it may not be worth it. That's all that I'm saying. I'm not saying tomorrow go in and drop your badge on your chief's table and walk out of there. Give it an effort. Involve your wife. Communicate. Communicate with your kids. Let them know what it's going to be like. Hey, 
I just joined the fire department. It's probably going to be hard for a little while. Are you, are you up for this? Are you in for this? And, uh, you know, if you can make it work, do it. But if you can't look, I'm not going to lie. Thank God, you know, me and my first wife, we found a way to make it work. We communicated, we got somebody to watch our kids so we could spend time together. Like we, we, we made it work. My wife now, we're making it work because she knew what she was getting into. We're making it work because she knows I want to do this and I love it. But I think if you can't make it work, uh, look, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to sacrifice my marriage and family for the fire department. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm going to find balance, and I'm doing that now, and I've found some good balance, and I'm going to keep working at it. I'm going to allow my wife to call me out when I'm either working too much or paying too much attention to the job. And you got to communicate, right? Like, so the captain's test is in January. So I'm studying my ass off right now, but my wife knows that because I communicated. So I'm boring at home right now. <laughs> she, she was laughing the other day. She walked through my office and she was like, is this going to be a boring night? And I said, uh, yes, because I'm reading through all these policies tonight. But I communicated that already. She knows the test is in January. She knows I'm going to study until I take that test. So it's not, I'm not shutting her out. She's like, hey, this is important to my husband. Uh, this is important to our family. I want to see him make happen. We communicated. I know it's not going to be forever. This is what he's got to do. Um, Y'all made so the choice together. Be, right. Before you just leave the fire department, like make a choice together to make it work. But it's going to be really hard, honestly. I think like any career, not just the fire department, I think being married with any career and not having a supportive spouse, especially the fire service, good luck, man. That's hard. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. One thing uh, that you you brought up there, uh, and it was – one thing I, I really need people to understand, and I, and I hope people take from this show, is the fire service. Okay, you're gonna, you're doing 25 years. That's 25 years of your life, 25 years of your kids' life. They're included in that, and if it is handicapping them in their life, just for you to make the choice that you are of being the firefighter or whatever then that's a serious problem because you are talking about someone's life. Uh, It's your career, but it's affecting their life. And they've got 60 years left of life, hopefully if they live to be 80-something. They've got 60 years of life, and should that other 60 years of their life be affected because of you wanting to be selfish? And one thing I, I think people forget and even I have, is you go go to any cemetery across this country and you walk through there and you read on the, on the headstones, I'd say nine out of ten of them will say, beloved husband, son, father, brother, you know, I'm talking about men, whatever. It will say all that. At no point on that headstone does it say beloved firefighter. Yeah, you, you know, you true. go to some of these, I mean, there. yes, of course, there's, you know, line of duty deaths and, and, and things like that where people are honored in the capacity of their fire career. But nine times out of ten, man, by the time you actually die, that that whole fire career is is so far in the back burner that a lot of people don't even know or have forgotten that you were that firefighter. So you gotta take care of those lives that will be reflected upon your headstone of how you're remembered. Yeah, that's and, so true. I mean it's so true. And I mean, let's just be honest, that comes in your marriage and in, in how you're raising your kids and what kind of, you know, family member you are, not what kind of firefighter you are. Yeah. 
I mean, it all goes back to legacy and what kind of legacy you want to leave, basically. For sure. Absolutely. All right, Joshua. Uh, I think I've taken up enough of your time today, man. I could go on and on. Uh, I love, I absolutely love the fact that there are, I, I want to say, a lot of us, um, you know, real, real life been kicked in the teeth and learned some hard ass lessons um, throughout our, uh, you know, adulthood and everything like that, that are, that are making the rounds now. Uh, I talk all the time about how I'm seeing, you know, you've been in just a, long, a little longer than me and everything. So I remember young in my career, man, there wasn't all these level of conferences and trainings and, and all that stuff that's happening now. I mean, legitimately, I remember, being a young firefighter, you had like your yearly training. You could go to Teeks in Texas and, and do your hands-on training and shit like that. And then there was a big leadership um, conference, you know, I, one or two a year across the country and stuff uh, right. and a few books. But, I mean, all in all, yeah, there was a lot of uh, TV shows that were being modeled. You know, we had our generation of guys. I mean, let's be honest. We were raised on Backdraft, Ladder 49, and Rescue Me. I mean, that's uh, – Dude, that's it. That's it right there. <laughs> and – each and honestly, though you look at it, each one of those shows uh, take the Hollywooded part out of it. A lot those shows were truly reflective of a lot of the problems of the fire service. I mean, yeah, Rescue Me. We've yeah. already talked about that and everything that was painted. Ladder Forty Nine. You got to see the the family dynamic painted in that yeah. movie, and then in Backdraft, you get to see the split up family. Uh, you know, Steven's coming by and trying to cook breakfast for his kid and him and his wife don't oh, yeah. know what's going on with each other. She's he's a badass fireman though. He's a badass fireman, but his wife is, you know, shows up at the retirement party with another fireman dancing on the dance floor yeah. and they're all drunk and drinking and it turns into an all out Irish brawl. And I mean, it's just, it's funny when you, when you really break it down, a lot of these movies, they're, they're factual in a lot of the things that they hit at home. Um, but we don't, we don't necessarily l learn the lessons from them. Um, and, yeah, and I really, point. I gotta, I gotta be honest. I think that ladder 49, um, as far as the family dynamic and the, the actual brotherhood painted of, to me, what I was raised in, I think that movie depicts the best example of what we should be trying to be. Um, yeah, no, I'll agree with that. Yeah. That's probably the movie I relate with the most. Um, you know, cause you get to see him coming up through being married, going through some stuff, becoming a seasoned fireman, you know, you're on the journey with this guy. And I think that's why we love those movies because we can relate to them. You yeah. know, he's a, he's a senior fireman and his, his first captain is now a chief, you know, and it, it's, it, it, we can relate to those movies, but no, I'll, I'll definitely agree with that. That's one of those movies where, um, I, I can relate to it. I love backdraft classic. You know, rescue me, take all the, you know, bad shit out of it. Super entertaining, hilarious. Love the firehouse dynamic in that whole show. But no, I agree with you, man. Ladder 49, um, I think it's in its own. People are like, Ladder 49 or Backdraft. I'm like, man, those are two different movies. Completely. Like, we, yeah, we, I can't pick one or the other. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, Backdraft is just timeless. Yeah. And then I think Ladder 49 did a great job of saying, hey, this is kind of what the fire department looks like now. Um, you know, so, but yeah, man, I completely agree with you on that. <laughs> that just, uh, I mean, but honestly, that's, that's what I was raised on. I know that's what, and, and so many of our guys we're that 10 to 20 year guy, um, we're, we're a rarity 
in today's fire service yeah. just because of the the hiring freezes and shit that happened around the 2008 recession and just all that our our actual um presence is a, is a lower percentage we have a lot of older guys very few of us and then a lot of younger guys and i think that uh it, it's our job to take the hard lessons that we learned because we didn't necessarily have all of the the training and the leadership um conferences and just all that shit that's happening all over the place uh we didn't have that opportunity so it's our job to kind of try to paint uh the picture for guys of, of what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing and uh you know i look around and i know it was, I, i'm sure it was the same for you when i started man i had some show enough old heads like 30 plus year guys in the station with me still riding oh, yeah. an apparatus yeah. and now you look around and i would say that man, maybe one out of every 10 crews or whatever might have uh, those old heads on there. Other than that, man, you got captains that's been in uh, eight years and they're 20, you know, 27, 28 years old. That's the captain. And everybody else yeah. on the crew is even younger than him. There's no real hard life lessons there. I mean, it's just you can't have done it at that point. I mean, not, you know, and, and not have learned. You don't have the level of maturity uh, and I'm not that much older than that, but I've just lived a lot of life. And I think that uh, it really is our job. So I, I greatly appreciate the fact that guys like you are out there putting it all out there, man. I know that that your story, man, you've blown me away. Your story's damn sure not easy to tell. Uh, but that's something, even myself, I just took from this from this interview is like, man, the shit. Like my wife, is she's a, an ER nurse and she's at work right now. And they right. could call me and say the same shit, you know, that's, yep. uh, and, and luckily, you know, I, it, it's, it's the same. I'm sure as you know, you're looking back now, y'all had peace in, in your relationship whenever everything happened. But, uh, and if you hadn't, I love that you brought that up. Had, had y'all not had the peace, you'd be carrying a level of guilt on you that you probably couldn't have overcome. Uh, yeah, no, it'd, be, it'd definitely be a lot harder than what I went through already. For sure. So, uh, man, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the for the information that you're putting out. I, I really, really do appreciate guys like you and you know some of the other guests that we've had on here that are going out there and truly telling it like it is. Um, that's what we need. We talk about having that that level of accountability in the fire station where we beat the shit out of each other, you know, for <laughs> for uh, doing things that we shouldn't. Uh, and we don't right. necessarily have to beat the shit out of each other physically, although sometimes I think that's warranted. I think that uh, right. just having that conversation and, and sitting down and just using your words to be like, hey, man, you are fucking up. Uh, that is absolutely uh, what is needed on all aspects, whether it's career things, relationships, personal, whatever. And I just greatly appreciate the fact that you're putting it out there and, and putting your personal shit out there uh, to do your part. No, I, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on today. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I don't take it lightly when people are like, hey, come on, share your story. You know, it's it's encouraging for me. I mean, I've been through it. And, uh, you know, it's like I said, you know, I don't think there's any getting over it. I think it's getting through it and finding a way to get through it healthy. And part of me getting through it healthy is doing stuff like this, being interviewed, getting to share my life experiences with other people. Because if I can encourage, if I can strengthen somebody else, encourage them, empower them, uh, for me, it makes my experience feel like it wasn't wasted. Like, yeah, I know everything happens for a reason. Like, I, I get all that. 
but we know it, it means the world to me when somebody says, Hey, come on, share your story. I think it's going to help a few guys. And when people reach back out and say, Hey, man, that, that helped me, you know, what you went through helped me, what you're going through helped me. The fact that I'm on the same journey you are, uh, helped me. So, um, no, I do appreciate it. If anybody out there, if you need to get a hold of me, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Just like Pete said earlier, you can follow me on Jump Seat Leadership, and uh, you can find me that way. Or um, I maintain a website called the Chase Collective LLC dot com. You can reach me on there. I do coaching, consulting, mentoring. Um, so if you're out there right now and you're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing in my life, like I, I think I could probably help you get a leg up. And uh, yeah, man. So there's resources on that website i just mentioned all kinds of resources um something i did want to mention because it is the holidays and this will probably be out here soon so i created some dad and daughter date cards for me and my daughters to help us spend intentional time together they're free right now on my website so you can get them for free and i realize somebody might be listening to this podcast six months to a year from now they probably won't be free then but they're free right now uh, in December, and if you use the code free dates, that's it. Just use the promo code free dates. They're basically a pack of 12 cards, and it's one per month. And you fill them out and you give them to your daughter. And then when she wants to spend time with you, she brings it to you and says, Dad, let's plan a date, let's go out and do something. Um, you know, so it, it really it, it gives your, your daughters uh, the right to interrupt your schedule. You can spend intentional time with them. It's something I've done with my girls as a fireman to make sure I'm spending that time with them. I did want to mention that because they're free right now. My wife is like, let's just do them free for the holidays. Uh, they can pay shipping, but they're free. Uh, I don't, I don't benefit from it. I just want you guys to benefit from developing that intentional relationship to your daughters. But seriously, Heath, thank you for having me on today, man. This has been awesome. Oh, absolutely, man. I, I love that. I didn't even know that you were doing that. Uh, and and to be quite frank, you are going to benefit because that's going to help. Uh, that's going to help this country be better uh, long term. I think that that those of us out here that are making making better dads, making better husbands, and and all that, and building better household relationships, you know, within your four walls. Overall, that do, it brings the entire country up. It it's going to make society yeah, better. Um, so yeah, you're not going to necessarily get the monetary benefit from it today, uh, but overall, it's going to set you up. Um, where your your daughters later on in life are able to um, know what they're looking for in a man, and then and then somebody else that does that and and builds that kind of relationship with their kids that could potentially be somebody that your you know your daughters end up with later on in the future. So, yeah, um, I just I like to uh, <laughs> I like to remain positive on the fact that yeah the the things that we're doing today it shapes for the future and, and we. We need a correction. I think that that yep. households. I I heard uh, I heard you say earlier. You know the the fifty percent divorce rate and everything like that. Like I I truly believe that because I don't know anybody in my personal life that hasn't basically been divorced. And right, I think it's sad. So yeah. uh, everything that we can do to try to try to correct that, I think that that's what we're doing. So. Guys, yeah, y'all, y'all be sure and go and go follow Josh, man. He's he really is putting out some great information, and he's real, as you all can tell. And that's something that uh, that is so needed in today's world. Uh, I'm gonna have to go and and process a lot of the stuff that was said today because it's just it really is uh, it's it's humbling to hear. So, all right, well, uh, Josh, if that's a uh, that's all you got, man. If you don't have any other closing statements, um, 
No, that's it. I mean, it's been good. I say that book I talk about where I I really get into what we talked about today, uh, engage the enemy, fight for your purpose. Um, If you want to go deeper into what me and Heath talked about today, what he did, you know, what he brought out of me. I mean, that book, it, uh, look, this is, I've been writing for 10 years, but I feel like this is the book that's actually going to, if you pick up this book and you want changes, it's going to help you change. And, uh, um, no, seriously, man, thanks. This is probably one of the, uh, most honest, like you said, real kitchen table style kind of podcast I've been on. And dude, I appreciate it, man. I, I think we need to do this more often. Oh, for sure. I about to say I want to. I want to definitely have you on, and we'll we'll dive in some other topics because hell, we only hit one to- one topic today. So, yeah, right, definitely. Yeah. Uh, with our crazy schedules, we're going to get something lined up over the next couple months again. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have yep. you back on as as you know you have free time and stuff. So, uh, <clears throat> well, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, sure thing. We'll see you next time. All right, all right, guys. Well, uh, man, I got to tell y'all. Uh, that show should absolutely make every single one of you think um, the reality to, to, to Josh's story and, and just how, how real, I mean, we all, every single one of us that that's doing, doing the job as a fireman, you know, we see death every single day. We, we deal with the, uh, the realities of, of being a human being every day. Um, you know, the, the goriness of it, the, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows of, of every aspect of life. But I think a lot of us, including myself, um, think that that day is never going to come for ourselves. Uh, that's just the reality. Uh, every single one of us, we're, we're born and we're going to die. And uh, so what you do in, in the meantime to ensure that those relationships that you build with people, those commitments that you go into with people, and, you know, if you're a parent, then the, the lives that you bring into this world, uh, they matter so much. And I hope that every single one of you took something from that that interview and are able to apply it to your life and, and really do some reflecting on what you can do to try to, you know, just make your life better. If, if you're making some decisions that you know aren't the greatest, then this can be a starting point for you to you know, try to make a, a, a correction in, in the direction of your life and what you're doing. Uh, firefighters as a whole have got to do a little bit better about calling each other out on each other's bullshit. Uh, I hope that y'all learn this from, from this, this show. Uh, you know, I've had close friends in my life that have read me the right act. I've had family that's read me the right act and, it was needed. It was absolutely needed. And we can be that family in the fire station that's doing the same thing. Uh, and we should take care of each other in that aspect of being able to do that. I talked on a show a couple shows ago about, you know, the, the single, single guys and girls that are out there understand, uh, from listening to this show of the, responsibility and weight that those of us that are in marriages and have kids have. Uh, and those times when you call off work or you don't want to work holidays or, you know, this, that, I'm not asking, I'm not asking you to, you know, sacrifice your own, uh, free time and all that kind of stuff. Like just out of, out of me being selfish, just to understand that when you are a parent or you are in a marriage, all of those times that we get mandatory overtimed or 
this, that, and the other because you don't show up. Just understand the weight that that actually does cause on people. I think that that's something that's that's been forgotten. I think we're in a very uh, selfish mindset. Well, I want to go and do this or I want to go do that. And you understand whenever you call off on Christmas morning and I get stuck at the fire station and I don't get to be home for Christmas with my kids – just like Josh said, the only people that's going to even remember that shit in 20 years is is the kids. You're not going to remember it because you don't give a shit because you just called off because you want to go get drunk somewhere or whatever, go party it up, this, that, and the other. Or you you know, you know, got a new hot fling that you're wanting to go hang out with for the holiday, whatever it is. You ain't going to remember it in 20 years. The fire department's not going to remember that they mandatory me, but my kids are going to remember that I was supposed to be home Christmas morning. I got stuck at the fire station. That's a real thing. That is a real consequence to um, the issues of at a lot of departments. I mean, you just heard it. Josh and we're dealing on the East Coast with mandatory staffing. Uh, it's it's a problem everywhere. So guys are going to have to start stepping up and taking care of each other and doing better. Whether it's through accountability, whether it's through helping each other out to let that guy or girl off to go take care of their family and all that. We got to do it. Lives, lives are truly impacted by the decisions that you make today. And I hope that every single one of you enjoyed this show. Uh, I'm truly blown away by Josh's story. Y'all, every single one of y'all need to go and follow him on Facebook. Yeah, he puts out a podcast. He has books. Y'all go go show him some love for sure. Uh, he's just like me. I mean, we've, we've tried to schedule this show a couple of times and he, I was on duty or he was on duty or we had family stuff going on. Uh, he's out there doing exactly the same as me on, uh, you know, trying to do all the balance. He talks about the work balance and the family balance and, and it is, uh, a real, it's a reality, uh, to every single one of us that are out there. So y'all go and, and follow him. Buy his books. Show him some love. Uh, one thing that uh, a close friend of mine the other day, he and I were talking about the podcast and everything, this, that, and the other, and uh, I was kind of explaining to him, mainly because I'm not going to lie, I was sitting there and I was working on all my shit coming up for taxes that are going to be due uh, in January and everything, and and he was asking me, you know, basically about the the financial sides of of a podcast and what all it takes and this, that, and the other, and uh, I explained it all to him in, in pretty good good detail, more so than I'm going to do with all of y'all, uh, but he was like, okay, well, now I understand why you have advertisers. Now I understand why you're selling merch and, and all this stuff, because what, what guys, I want y'all to understand about myself or any of these other guys that are out here putting out podcasts, this shit ain't cheap. Uh, and I'm not coming across whining. Like, like I'm not at all. I just want to paint the picture for all of you to understand why it is that guys like myself and, and other podcasts that are out there, uh, you know, do the advertisements. Like I have some great sponsors of the show and I, I, I love being able to help them out. Uh, the exposure they get from this show helps them financially and helps them keep their businesses running. But what it's able to do for me for this show is what y'all need to understand is so, you know, the software that I have to edit this show, that's a, that's a monthly expense. Uh, every platform that we upload to, whether it's Spotify, Apple, um, all your major podcast platforms that we're on, uh, those have a monthly subscription that you have to pay for. Um, like I said, the editing software, 
the uh, ability to actual like you actually go on there and you got to create the accounts and all that stuff then you link it together and you you upload your show that way uh, every bit of that little stuff makes money um, plus just with the general nature of this show and the fact that I do have a lot of hard conversations about a lot of shit that's going on in the fire department and I've told y'all before I tell real stories that have happened to me guys you gotta understand some of these stories that I tell it ain't the favorite stories for some fire chiefs out there um, I, I do piss off some people and I'm okay with that. Uh, but the reality to that is, is I have a lawyer, I have legal representation that I make sure my bases are covered. I have, you know, a lawyer that I can ask questions to, to make sure that, you know, am I opening myself up for this shit? Well, that costs me every month to be able to, you know, pay a retainer for the attorney on the, so, uh, basically what it, what I'm painting for y'all is and the picture i want you to understand is myself and all these other podcasts that are out here that if y'all truly support um those shows and you like the message that you're putting they're putting out the guests that they're bringing on just know that those shows have an expense to them you know myself it's several hundred dollars a month that i i have to have um to keep this show going and that's not counting my time that I, you know, take off from the kids and, and the wife and all to sit down and record or, you know, scheduling to have guests on and, and all that good stuff. That's all just part of it. That's something I'm just doing. But the actual uh, financial obligation to be able to do the show adds up to be several hundred dollars a month. So, you know, those of you that wonder, you know, why I have sponsors or why, I'm, uh, you know, I take on sponsors or when I ask for sponsors for the show, just know that that's the reason why. Um the more sponsors that I have, the more shows I'm able to do, the more I'm able to progress, you know, getting into the the video podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it just takes money. And, you know, I've said before, I'm not going to go out, you know, with the financial climate of the United States right now, I'm not going to go out and rack up a bunch of credit card debt to buy a whole bunch of fancy cameras and equipment and, and all this kind of stuff. This is a, uh, for me, this is a build it as I go. Uh, I am, you know, square with everything. I don't owe anybody anything for this show and, and this, you know, platform and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm square with all of it. So I'm just moving forward. And that's why the, the show is still audio and it's, uh, you know, progressing at a slower manner than if I just went and got a bank loan or something and went, you know, went crazy on the spending. Uh, so I hope you all support that. I know most of you do. That's why we have, you know, I think we're almost to 27,000 listeners on this show and and every day it's just growing more and more on social media and everything like that and and that's because of you guys supporting me that's because you like the message but i just wanted to kind of really paint a picture for y'all to understand uh why guys like me and some of these other big big podcast platforms uh take on sponsors and have the show advertisements and and really just financially what it takes so now y'all have a better understanding of what to take. And for those of you that, you know, are wanting to have a podcast, because I've had several of my friends reach out and be like, hey, what does it take? And I'm like, well, you better have, you know, several thousand dollars in the bank to even get started. Um, that's just a reality. It's, 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 not a, it's not a free hobby that you just jump into. It's something that uh, you honestly, you got to run it like a business. And that's just something I hope that uh, all of you support and which I know most of you do, uh, if not all of you do. So, you know, guys, go on to uh, thirdalarmcowboys.com. Still got some shirts left and, and hats left uh, going into the holiday season. Like I told y'all, what my plan is after the first of the year is to launch out some, you know, a new line of merchandise. Uh, and the reality to that is, is I've taken that money that, you know, we've brought in and 
put it back for you know a, f- a future investment into another big order and it's just it's like a wagon wheel that just keeps going uh to keep everything moving and and all that stuff uh guys i've had a couple people reach out and message me about their cigars uh, yes, it is a legit business. Yes, um, your orders are are being fulfilled. The deal is, is uh, if you order the launch packages, it said on the on the post and everything that uh, you know it all ship out the second weekend uh, or the second week of December. So we're taking all those orders in, and then it's going to be a mass shipment going out because uh, all those orders had to be filled. Uh, Payne Mason is a phenomenal company by far one of the best uh, premier cigar companies in the world and they are absolutely working their ass off on their end getting all the uh, orders you know starting to get them fulfilled we're doing all of the processing and all that uh for what it'll take to start getting all that stuff shipped out i've talked to them this week just kind of touching base seeing how and where we are in the first you know two weeks of of the products being available the cigars being available and i gotta thank y'all guys they are telling me there is a shitload of uh sales that have come through just bottom line y'all know that i like being transparent i like being open and um so far the cigars have been a hit uh y'all be sure and go check that out it's on our, our website, the link to it, thirdlearncowboys.com. You can see the the four different levels of cigars that are available to y'all. Uh, you also have the option to be able to uh, subscribe you know, for a monthly membership. It'll get you a little discount, and they'll ship you a cigar uh, every month and all that good stuff. Uh, and just know that, that what you're doing for me is, is you're allowing me to continue to do this show and you're also, you know, supporting the brand. We got a lot of things that are coming down the pipe that are that are going to be uh, over the next year or so. You know, big projects that I've been working on for a while, different things, and it all just goes along with with building up uh, the Third Alarm Cowboys and what we're doing as far as making firefighters better on and off the job. As y'all can tell from from this show, uh, I'm all about trying to make guys better at home. That is my passion. That. There, and I told I told Josh going in, you know, he's he's a leadership guy. That's that is his niche. That's his specialty. He's spent the time writing the books, um, and he travels, all that good stuff. He's doing phenomenal things in that leadership realm. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a big student in leadership, and I can talk about it a good bit. But bottom line is, I think that there's there's guys out there that are teaching leadership better than me, and. So I'm going to let them do that. I learn from them. If people ask me questions or I have topics I want to cover, then I'm going to absolutely cover them. Uh, but my thing is, is I want to make a big, bigger impact on on guys' real lives. Uh, that's why I say, you know, we're, we're going to talk about um, some things that may be uncomfortable. We're going to talk about the relationships. We're going to talk about uh, the shit going on in the stations that that's unacceptable behavior, all that kind of stuff, because that is truly what makes firefighters better on and off the job. That's that's my niche. That's my passion. That's what I'm doing. So all of you that support that, just you know, know that that's what we're doing, and we're going to continue to grow. We're going to get even bigger. I have way more guests that are lined up, uh, just waiting on on the uh, the calendar day to hit here uh, for when I have them scheduled. And then we'll be able to uh, share even more information and all that. So, yeah, y'all be sure and go and and support our show sponsors, guys. I can't I can't thank them enough. Um, First Line Fire Service Training, Norse Fire Equipment, uh, FireEdge.com, 
all these guys are showing us massive love on this show. They really are, and they have for months. Um, Norse Fire Equipment was one of our um, first there was our first show sponsor and you know they've they've been there for months for us now and and really have allowed us to uh to keep going and you know we also have our new show sponsors is is first form if you take nutritional supplements of any kind whether it's you you know you're interested in general wellness like multivitamins or uh greens powders or reds powders hormone balancers, testosterone boosters, uh, fat burners, proteins, pre-workouts, all, all that good stuff, go to firstform.com slash third alarm cowboys. That is a phenomenal company. Andrew Frasella is the owner of First Form. He's been in business for over 25 years. He has a podcast called Real AF. It talks a lot about you know current worldwide issues, uh, question and answer shows when it comes to business, uh, it is a business-related podcast, a lot about entrepreneurship and everything like that. He previously had a podcast called The MFCEO, in which he talked a lot about business. That was basically the the entire premise of that show, and it was the number one business podcast for years. Uh, a lot of great information that he gives away for free on how to build and uh, grow businesses, what you should be doing, culture um and mindset within your business and everything like that. Andy has covered all that. And, you know, he has inspired me in, in more ways than I can even count, uh, whether it's within business, whether it's within my personal life, whether it's within my fitness journey that's been up and down a little bit uh, over the last 10 years, everything like that. Uh, Andy's been, been a great voice and I would consider a mentor, even though I don't personally know him. Um, but when you listen to the show daily like that, I'm sure a lot of you can relate because you're listening to me almost to that level. Uh, so I hope to be a good steward of your time. And I just continue to thank all of you. Uh, Y'all just go show our show sponsors love and we'll see y'all in the next one. Damn, I'm lost